Welcome to the Hustle Island Podcast, episode number three. HustleIsland.com, real hustlers, real stories. And Decorte, better known as the Float Guy, joins us today from the West Coast. Go to Float.com. We're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right in. This is a story about heightened senses and the journey of life. Adam, welcome to the program. Thanks, Mac. I appreciate it, man. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to, uh, to have this conversation. Thanks, man. We appreciate you joining us. And like we said, real hustlers, real stories. Adam, tell us your story. Tell us about yourself. Whew, man. All right. Let's see if I can wrap this up in a short, uh, short, short version. But uh, let's see. I was born in Whittier, California, and a small little suburb out here in uh, Southern California. And um, have three older, or excuse me, two older brothers. I'm the, I'm the baby of the family. And um, I'm a product of the 80s, man. So I'm a hip hop guy, um, you know, run nice. DMC and all the old school OG guys. Definitely, uh, definitely like that stuff. Um, I love that, man. And yeah. And uh, let's see, uh, another product of the 80s, I guess, would be divorce. So, you know, I was, came from a broken home at the age of eight um, and, uh, you know, struggled uh, through junior high and high school with uh, trying to see my dad and, you know, trying to be with him and have that relationship. Unfortunately, he just wasn't, uh, wasn't into it um, as much as, you know, I would like, would have liked him to be. Um, he, he had a gambling problem, so it was Vegas and, and the craps and the tables were definitely more important than uh, spending time with us. Um, but you know, so goes life. Um, at the age of 14, he ended up passing away. Um, and so oh, that was, yeah, that, no, that's okay, man. It was, uh, it was difficult for sure at the time. I mean, you know, losing a, losing a, a parent, regardless of your relationship, um, is, is never easy. Um, but I definitely, uh, you know, powered through that, got through that, um, at a young age and, uh, you know, had a, had a rocky teenage, teenage life. I was rebellious and did things I probably shouldn't have done all the way up into my twenties. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, but, uh, learned a lot of lessons, man. I'm not, um, I don't, uh, let's see, I, I, I'm very, um, thankful for what I've gone through in my life. Um, it's, it's put me where I am today and, and made me the person I am. So. That's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, now you yeah. talked about like, you know, a little bit on your childhood and like, you know, going through a divorce and you know, that's, that can't be easy. And you're a father yourself. Like yeah. how has that shaped your life now? Oh man, that's Being a, sure. that's a, that's a crazy question. But you know, um, my oldest daughter is 11. And so, um, oh, since between the ages of eight and 11, I have, um, tremendously been very thoughtful of that because I look at her and go, wow, what, what, what kind of life would she have um, if uh, her mom and I weren't together or weren't, you know, in a relationship, um, you know, or, or we broke, broke our home? Um, I, I know what that does to kids. I've seen it um, not only by myself, but then through friends and family and it's tough. And so, you know, it definitely, um, it's a bittersweet moment now. Um, I love every moment I get to spend with them. Um, and it is, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a trial. She's, she's 11, my, my son's 10 and my youngest is eight. And, um, so we have a busy household, man. I wouldn't change it for every, for anything. I, I love being a father. It is, it is definitely something I love doing. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, how about, you know, you're in business now and like family, that's a, that's a big part of it. You know, tell us about how it is like, you know, with you starting a business and, and how has that affected your family? Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Our, fi our family dynamic, um, is kind of interesting. Um, my wife's got a great job, has had one for many years and, um, I've kind of been, um, on the, the, let me start with this. They, when my daughter was born and my son was born, uh, we had lost a child before my daughter just, um, um, in, in a miscarriage. And then, um, 
moving into when my son was born, my wife kind of had, was having some difficulties with her pregnancy and it put her on bed rest. And at the time I was a real estate agent um, and I was, uh, you know, that was right about the, the crash, um, the 2008 crash of the real estate business. And so business was tanking. Um, she wasn't working. She was put on bed rest. We had a, like a six month old little baby. We're trying to figure out what to do with that. She's been told she can't move from the couch pretty much. Luckily I had a job that I was able to work from home, but with the crash happening and all of that, we tanked, man. I mean, financially tanked, um, wow. you know, relationships were, were, were strained because I mean, man, having a you know, toddler and then being pregnant again and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so we went through a season of racking up tons of debt um, and, uh, you know, just to put food on the table, just to pay the mortgage, just to pay the car payments and stuff. Um, and, and that was a stress. Uh, we were just using credit cards to buy milk and formula, um, you know, just, just hustling to get by. Right. I mean, just doing what yeah. we had to do. And, um, you know, it was, uh, from there, I kind of became the caretaker of our family. Um, cause my, like I said, my wife's got a really good job, great company. Um, she was moving up the ranks and has continued to move up the ranks in that company. And so we just kind of put our eggs under, under her basket and said, Hey, you keep going and I'll kind of be the stay at home dad, if you will. Um, and so I transitioned kind of into that, which, you know, I wouldn't uh, recommend, <laughs> but you know, Hey, if you find yourself in a situation, you just got to make the best of it. And so I spent a lot of time at home. So I was always looking for, um, ways to make money from home or ways to, you know, um, just, you know, help bring something to the table. Cause as a man, I think that, you know, we have this inside of us. Um, you know, we, we are just the, 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 what am I trying to say? We're, we're the, um, we're the ones that go out, right. And kill it and drag it home, you know, um, yeah. and, and not to go into any gender roles or anything, but I'm just saying that, you know, I think we're built that way. And so it was kind of difficult for me, but I became the caretaker. And so, um, up until probably I would say maybe four or five years ago, um, that role, uh, kind of changed. I had stepped into a couple different positions, um, with a couple different companies and, and just kind of worked part-time and did that thing and did the, did the house thing, um, or the, the stay at home dad thing. Um, and, and that was difficult, I think, as a, in a mindset of, of, of a man, you know, to kind of be that, you know, that role. Um, but, uh, I wouldn't have changed it for the world, man. And, and, and so, you know, I, I loved all the time I got to spend with my kids. I know that a lot of dads that weren't, are not in my position, haven't had a chance to spend that time with their kids. Um, and, and I believe that that's huge. I think, especially for my daughters, man, raising daughters is not easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but just, um, having, you know, having a, uh, having me in their life and, and, and being, a, being able to be there for them has been, has been huge. So, you know, that's been my role. And, um, just recently have my wife and I talked and, and, and we basically decided that it was kind of my time to, um, shine, if you will. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but just my time to do something. Um, and so just recently, yeah, I um, started up a new company or getting ready to start a new company. I'm in the process of that. I know we'll get to that in a minute, but, um, but yeah, the work-life balance, man, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, I got three kids, like I said, they were 11, eight and, and, or excuse me, 11, 11, 10 and eight. And my youngest is in gymnastics and she's, she competes competitively. Um, she's in season right now. So she spends about 24 to 40 or excuse me, 24, uh, hours a week in the gym. Um, okay. so she, she carries a part-time job at seven years old, plus goes to school. Um, my, my son who's in the middle of my two daughters, he plays club soccer. So he's constantly got practices and, you know, we're traveling for him on the weekends. Um, and then my oldest, um, she's, you know, got her own thing going. She's taking voice lessons to become a, you know, just kind of sing and she wants to express herself that way. And excuse me, she's got, um, girl scouts and she's in club soccer, excuse me, recreational soccer. 
And so, um, you know, our schedules are crazy with, you know, and my wife travels a lot. Uh, she's got a job that demands a lot of travel. So, so she's gone a lot and I got to take care of the, the house um, as well as the three little ones and make sure that we're, you know, fed right and we're, we're moving, moving forward. So. Gosh, that, that's, a, that's a lot. We got to, we, we've covered a lot. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you talked about your childhood and then being a, a father, like what motivates you every day? Oh man, that's a good question. So, um, I have to say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, my faith is definitely something that motivates me, um, quite often. Uh, it's, it's my backbone for sure. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I definitely strive not to be my dad. Um, I, I, you know, not that I, I, I hold him very high, um, in respect, uh, you know, he did what he did, but you know, he still was still a man and a father to me to some degree. Um, and so I just look at that and go, Hey, you know what, if I didn't get the father I wanted, I want to be able to do that, um, for my kids. And so being there for them and making sure that, you know, um, you know, I got a listening ear for him. And sometimes that's hard being the disciplinary and also listening and, you know, trying to, trying to balance that. But, um, but I would say that that's been huge, man. I, um, you know, spending time with my wife too, over the last uh, year, um, has been huge. Um, that, that, that drives me just to look at her and go, okay, you know, we're here for a purpose on this world and, and, you know, we're living it. Um, and so, yeah, man, I, faith is something that's just so huge in me. Um, and, and that's what I go to on a daily. You know, you, you touch on your dad and um, like you say that gambling and you said that you don't want to be him. Talk about your mom. I mean, you, I'm going to let you talk about it. Sure, yeah. No, man, my mom's a special person for sure. I think all moms are. Um, but uh, she, you know, her and I had a rocky, rocky relationship coming. I mean, I was a bitter, bitter punk little teenage kid. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I did some things during that time that, you know, would make any mom blush and any mom be embarrassed, um, for it. Um, but you know, my mom was a, was a rock man. I mean, she was one of those people that when my dad left and, you know, we came home one time to the lo the house locked and there was nothing in the house, completely empty. Everything was gone. Um, and we heard from the neighbors that, you know, he had basically had a garage sale and fire sold everything out from under us. Um, even, even our, our, our videos from like childhood and Christmases, he just like sold them to people. So, you know, if anybody's got any, any videos from us in the eighties, I'd love to get a copy <laughs> of it. But, um, you know, uh, my mom, she, um, she's a fighter, man. She's a hustler. She went to work uh, full time. She was taking care of three kids, um, three boys, and we were not the easiest boys to take care of. Um, and she just, she hustled every day in and out. She worked retail. She was a retail manager and she just, you know, she made things happen. I mean, um, I think that's true, you know, as well, I have to give credit. Um, part of my faith came from my mom because she, you know, she got involved in the church when she was down and out and needed something to look forward to. She needed something to kind of uplift her. Um, and she got surrounded by some great people that came alongside us. And I mean, there'd be times we'd open up our, our apartment door and there'd be three or four bags of groceries sitting there. Um, you know, and I, we'd call my mom like, Hey, did you leave groceries? You know, cause she'd be working in no, what are you talking about? That was not me. Um, and, uh, you know, just with a note saying, Hey, you know, we love you and just, you know, want to make sure you guys got some food. So my mom hustled hard, um, all the way. She just retired a couple of years ago. Um, nice. and, uh, so she's living the retired life, man. And she's, she loves being a grandma. Um, 
and you know she she actually helps us out a lot right now um, when there's um, when my wife and I are both gone traveling or doing stuff she she steps in and helps us and so my mom's a great person and she um, she's been with me um, through thick and thin and and have always had faith in me even even though um, you know, I've been a difficult child and she's always said something to me. She said something to me beginning of this year that reminded me of kind of like maybe why, why I have a purpose here. Um, and that is when, um, so not to get graphic, but as I was being born, um, and this was in the early eighties, um, I had the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck, but nobody knew it. Um, so the doctors and nurses are telling her like, bear down, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. Right. And so she's trying to push and then she's telling them like, there's something wrong. Something's not right you know, this or that. And, and at this time they didn't have all the monitors and all this kind of stuff to be able to tell, you know, that I was in distress or, or what have you. Um, and so uh, after fighting with the doctors and nurses for a good amount of time, the doctor finally said, okay, let's stop and let's check something out. And he realized that I had the bilical cord wrapped around my neck. So they were able to unwrap it. I was born and, um, you know, I came out with, with rope burns basically around my neck. And my mom always said that, you know, you're, you're special. I don't want to think I'm special, but she says that I'm special um, and that I have a purpose. And, um, you know, over the last 10 years of my life, I've been in ministry with, with a local church and um, been, been, you know, working for the Lord, doing his, doing his work. Um, and it was, uh, it's kind of gratifying to know that maybe, you know, we do really truly have some sort of purpose on this life and, and we can share our story with others um, if that's either in faith or in business or, or what have you. I think that's what I love about the hustler club and the, and, and being a part of this community is that we're connected now with a group of people that have a, a like mind in business and in life. And, and, you know, we care about each other enough to say, Hey, I want to help you with wherever step you're at. I, I appreciate Greg and, and you Mac for, for, you know, doing what you guys are doing on this thing, because, you know, it's definitely helped me um, just start to, especially during this last year, um, look at it and man, go, I'm going to hustle. And, and, and these words that are in here, I love it, man. I mean, you, I don't know if you, anybody's had a chance to go in and really read all of these words that are made up of, of this and, and it, and it's huge. Um, and so I, I got two hustle shirts with one on the way with a couple other ones. And I tell you what, it's a daily thing. I almost wear this every other day and, and it's really just to remind me, um, of what I'm doing, why, why I'm doing it and, and the perseverance I need to do, um, on a daily basis. What's your life purpose? Whew, man, my life purpose. Well, you know, like I said, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. So, you know, I have to say it's, you know, introducing people to him. It's not anything I can do. It's all through him and the grace that he gives us. Um, but, you know, um, I think to um, a side note from that, if there is one um, to caveat, that would be, um, you know, my purpose right now my, is, is my family bar none, but is to bring people relief in our daily stressors, man. Um, you know, we live a life and we live in a society right now. Um, even if you take out all of the political, uh, you know, stuff that's going on and all of the, um, you know, humanity things that are happening in the world. If you just look at daily life, especially here in America, you know, we, we, man, this thing is what, 10 years old, the smartphone deal. And we are yeah, like, you know, can't leave it. Right. Um, we, we, we can't, we, you know, constantly, yeah, right. And we're constantly looking at it. We're constantly checking it. Uh, we're being inundated with so many different, you know, um, 
uh, advertisements or, or just constantly thinking or, you know, Hey, did how many, how many likes did my post get? Or, you know, who, who Oh shoot, I should have, should have done this instead of that on my social media or, or whatever. Right. Um, and, and we're stressed by that. I mean, we use this thing for our, our alarm clock and it sits next to us and it buzzes in the middle of the night and we don't even know it, but our brain is actually now triggered by that little blue light that flashes of a notification. And even if you have it next to you, this is scientific proven. You guys should go read uh, Mel, Mel Robbins, her five second rule. She did some studies in this thing where um, it's actually proven that our brains when we're sleeping is still connected to this thing. And if you have it on your nightstand and it's flashing from a notification or from a, a, a email or, or a call, we're not, our brain is actually like wired to like think about that. And so we're not getting the sleep that we're, that we should be getting. Um, you know, they say what, eight hours of sleep. But let me ask you, you know, when's the last time you got eight hours of some solid, solid sleep? It's probably been a while, right? It's been a while. It's always broken, you know, because the phone, like you said, it's right next to me. And if it goes off you check it, you know, in the morning, the first thing you do is you check your phone, see if you have right. a message. Even if right. like, even if, even sometimes I meditate every day and if, uh, I'm meditating and like I feel like the phone ringing or you feel it vibrate and it kind of breaks your meditation. So it's like you should just take your phone away from your room at night and just throw it somewhere, put right. it in the living room, put it in the kitchen and just disconnect. And it's really hard for people to disconnect. And that's just the, the struggle because, you know, we're all connected and it's, I guess it's what you, you feed your brain with and what you follow and what yeah. you, and, and that's just what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, agree, I couldn't agree with you more, you know, um, especially talking about like throwing your phone, excuse me, into another room or something. Uh, Mel Robbins actually talks about that in her book. And one of the things that she says is to put it in your bathroom, even if you still use it for an alarm clock, put it in your bathroom. That way it's not right next to you. You have to get up, get out of bed to go turn it off. And then at that Absolutely. point you can start your day. You know, you're not snoozing, you're not getting back into bed and, you know, doing that whole thing. You, you're actually, you know, just getting up and starting your day fresh. I actually have a little routine that I've built in for my phone. And that is, it does stay in my bathroom. Okay. Um, I do pick it up when I leave my room and I come downstairs, start my coffee. And then um, I go do my quiet time. And I've made a promise that I would not open this thing up no matter how many times it's flashed and what kind of notifications I got on it um, until I'm done with my quiet time, which is usually about a 30 to 45 minute period. And then I start my day. Um, and so for me, that helps um, in just structuring my, my morning and, and it gets me going off on the right foot, you know, just like meditation does. You know, if you just do that before you, you get your day going or whenever that fits into your routine, then, then that's beneficial and you'll, it'll pay dividends in the long haul. When did you start this routine? Um, gosh, it's probably been just about two years ago when I read the book uh, by Mel Robbins and um, okay. that was kind of something I was like, you know what? Yeah, we, and my, both my wife and I did it. And so, um, you know, there's still times that we'll, 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 we'll pick up the phone and crawl back into bed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's still sitting next to us. Don't get me wrong. Um, right. But, but we, we definitely try to do that. How about, um, what, what, what do you do during this quiet time? Man, okay. Well, for me, I do a couple different things. Um, I got a couple business books I'm reading, um, and so I'll do that. But I also just pick up my Bible. Make uh, for me, I try to read a chapter a day. Spend a little bit of time, um, you know, praying, quiet time with Him. Um, you know, maybe even just quiet and listening and trying to be still to see what's going on. What, what do I need to work on? Um, and then. Um, that I go into my, my reading. Um, and then at that point, my kids are up, everybody's downstairs and it's time to get moving for the, for the morning. Um, and so, uh, you know, but that's kind of, kind of what I do. How has that helped you in, in your life? Like to sh shape your day on a daily basis. And if you have like a goal or something, how has it helped you accomplish that? 
Um, well, it keeps me grounded. Um, it keeps my purpose in line, keeps me focused on, on the end goal of what, my pur- what I believe my purpose here on this earth is for. Um, and, and I think we all have a purpose and it's not, and, and even if you don't think you have one, man, you have a purpose and you got to be able to find that. However you, you, you do that, you just got to be able to find it because if you don't have that drive or that purpose um, for your daily life, that could be in business, profession, or you know, any profession, uh, athletic, or or even in your home life, um, you know, or or in a faith faith driven uh, part of your life, um, and so you know, it keeps me grounded. It keeps me pointed in the right direction, man. I did, don't let me let me say this. Let me you know give you a little disclaimer. I'm not perfect. <laughs> I still fall short. <laughs> um, you know, it definitely doesn't mean that you know there's days that that I could read something and be like, I have no clue what that says. God, you seem so far away from me right now. I don't know what you're doing. You know, um, I, I wrestle with him too, man. I've had you know so many conversations with him where I'm just you know saying some things that most people probably wouldn't repeat, um, you know, and just wondering, you know, what, what is it, you know, but I think that that keeps me grounded and that keeps me focused, man. And so it just kind of brings me back to, you know, my purpose. All right, let's go back in the time. Let's go back to the eighties. We're going to go right. back to you. Uh, you touched on this earlier in the, our discussion. You're a little rebellious, um, <laughs> a little, little, little bitter. We sure. talked a little bit about run DMC, the Beastie yeah. boys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Right. Talk about what, what would you do that was rebellious? What made you bitter? Sorry, say that again. Well, what, where, where, like, what made you bitter and what, what, what are some of the things that you did with that were rebellious? Okay. That's, that's deep. That's a deep question. Um, I would have to say, and I hate, I really do hate, hate saying this because uh, I think it's, a, um, it's been used too many times, but being from a broken home, man. Um, you know, I, I was eight years old. I don't remember much of prior to eight years old from zero to one. I don't remember much. It's from eight years old on. I remember, and there was a good couple of years that, um, you know, my dad was, was non-existent. Um, my mom was just hustling, trying to work and, and provide for us. And so she was working a retail job. She was a manager. So, I mean, she was 40 plus hours a week in a mall. Um, and so she wasn't home much either. And so, you know, we did what every other kid does we find things to to keep ourselves busy um sometimes those things aren't uh, <laughs> aren't exactly what we want um you know and i found myself um you know going to you know parties and hanging out with older people and you know we were drinking smoking um you know doing doing drugs and doing things at, at, at you know 9 10 11 12 years old um you know my dad was a smoker and so i thought you know ah, no big deal i'll you know i'm smoking you know this kind of stuff and um and so i did you know i, I ran with the crew of, of guys so some of them are still good friends with nowadays man we've all grown up and got got kids so we're a little different now right <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but uh you know i mean there was times man where I, I was home alone um for hours on end after school and you know um i don't want to use it as an excuse but i'd find things to do to keep myself busy and and i have an addictive personality which is kind of something that's not not good and good all at the same time um Absolutely. it's right i mean so you know i struggled uh, quite a bit um you know even into my early 20s um with uh, i i, I had some great, great success, right. Coming right out of high school. So uh, during high school and stuff, I didn't play any sports. I, I, like I said, I was hanging out with the, my older buddies, uh, going to parties, doing this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I found myself, um, not knowing what I wanted to do in life. Right. I mean, you know, you hit that sophomore, sophomore year in high school and everyone's like, what are you going to do? Where are you going to school? And you know, all this kind of stuff. What's your, what's your plan? What's your purpose? Right. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm going to go to back, back to home and drink a 40 and, you know, smoke a joint or something. That's what I'm going to do. Um, but I also knew something inside of me was just, was just burning. Like, you know, this isn't you, this isn't, this is, this is not your purpose. And, you know, and I got saved when I was 13, um, got baptized when I was 13, but you know, I don't think I really lived 
what we would call a true faith until later on in life. Um, and, and that's okay. I still know that God came into my life and, and was living with me, you know, during that time. But, you know, I was doing my own thing. I was a, you know, black sheep, if you will. Um, and so right out of high school, um, my wife's actually, so my wife and I have been um, friends and dated since we were like 11 or 12. So we've been together almost half our lives. Um, we just celebrated our 15th, 15th wedding anniversary at uh, the end of August. Wow. So man, it's been 15 years of, of you know, wedded bliss for sure. Um, <laughs> but we have a long history. And so um, in high school, we were dating in our senior year and I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I had a cousin that was in, um, he was in the military and he was in the uh, Coast Guard. And so I started talking to him and, you know, checking out the Coast Guard as being an option because I wasn't definitely a Marine type guy. I didn't want to be, you know, I wasn't an Army type guy. And so I, I went with, you know, what they say is the, the lesser of the group. And I don't mean any disrespect by that because I think that they, those guys work hard too and that they're just as good as the Marines or anybody else. But I think there's a different level. At least there was. Um, and so I started to look that route, but I was just like, man, that's still not me. I'm not feeling it. So I talked with Andrew's dad one time and he was a CTO of a, of a large uh, home builder out here in Southern California. And he's like, you know, he came to me and said, Hey, what if I can get you an internship um, and see where that goes in, in computer stuff, you know, networking and stuff. And I was like, I could, I could do that. Um, and so he, he, you know, worked it, uh, he worked it up to create a position for me. Um, and I interned for about six months at, at this large fortune 500 company, uh, learned a tremendous amount. Um, and then as soon as I got, uh, after that six month time was up, I got hired, um, on permanently as a network uh, or a desktop technician. And so then I started to go get certified through Microsoft and get my network administrator stuff and all kinds of stuff and started to work my way up and was there for, um, gosh, a couple years from like age of 18 till just about um, 20. Um, I worked there and then, um, then I landed a job um, at a, uh, a, another large company um, and they do a lot of title searches and title stuff here um, actually across the, across the nation. And, um, I became a contractor and at the age of, of 20, I was clocking 50 grand a year um, in, in contracting money. And uh, man, that was, you know, that was awesome, right? I mean, I was just living it, right? I mean, I had no bills besides my truck payment um, and a $300 a month room rent, you know, um, and I was just living it um, and, uh, you know, started to uh, hang out with some people, uh, some, some friends at the time. And, you know, we started to get into some things that we probably shouldn't have. And, you know, I got introduced to meth um, and uh, man, that took me for a ride, bro. Um, that really took me for a ride. I ended up, um, I was only, I, I call it my two year roller coaster ride. You know, I started really high, right? I was in the perfect spot as a young kid, you know, great job, making really good money, um, you know, living the life. I, I just, you know, was loving it. Um, and they got introduced to meth and it just kind of went like this for a while, right? I had some good times, had some bad times. Um, and then, you know, uh, I, I hit what I call the depth uh, or, or, or almost to the bottom of my life. I, there was a little bit further I had to fall to get there, but um, I ended up one time, um, I got blamed for something at, at work, um, some, one of my responsibilities, and uh, my boss wasn't coming to, to talk to me about it, but everybody else was talking about it, so I was getting really mad. Um, and so I went on a bender one weekend, uh, hadn't slept for the entire weekend, rolled into work, high as a kite and um, somebody said something to me and I just flew off the handle and I walked right into his office, shut the door and just basically told him off. I mean, that's really what I did. Um, and at the end of the conversation, I took my badges and my keys and I set them on the, on his desk and I said, I quit, I'm done. And he looked at me and I, I remember the look and the words he said to me, cause it was, it, it was like, 
a, a light bulb going off. And he was, he, he kind of looked at me regardless that I was yelling him at him, calling him names and cussing him out. He's, he's, are you sure you want to do this? Um, you know, and I think what he was saying was, man, I know the situation you're in. You're a young cat in a great position, great job. Like, can't we work through this? And he didn't know I was on drugs at the time. Uh, at least he didn't tell me he might've known. I was definitely pretty messed up. Um, and uh, I walked out. I said, yeah, I'm done, man. I walked out. So I walked away from that and went straight to my dealer's house. And then wouldn't you know it, I started hanging out with my dealer. Um, he didn't have a car, so I was driving him everywhere um, and doing, doing all kinds of stuff that we shouldn't be doing, you know, living in hotel rooms on stolen credit cards and, you know, all kinds of stuff, man. And um, found myself, right? I mean, you know, you're guilty by association, but you're also, you know, the people you hang around with is kind of like, that's what's going to happen to you, right? Like, yeah. even, if, even if you're not doing it, like, you're, you're part of that. Um, and so those influences around you, and I don't blame them or blame anybody. I, I, I take it all upon myself that I was the one that made my choices, but it still influenced me, um, and I allowed myself to be in that situation. So I found myself in a situation that, um, you know, we did some things that we shouldn't have done and um, knew that the, the police were looking for, for me. They showed up to my mom's house. My mom calls me, like, why do I have Sheriff so-and-so showing up to the house? And, you know, and I'm like, ah, don't worry about it, Mom, you know no big deal. Um, but, uh, then I had a kind of a come to Jesus moment. Um, probably uh, a couple of weeks after my mom had received that call. Um, and I, I knew that, um, you know, I had been on some serious benders and not slept for days. And, um, I have this connection with the ocean for some reason, man. I just, I love the beach. I love the ocean. And so one day I drove down there and, uh, spent probably about six hours just sitting on the, on the beach. Um, and, uh, you know, having a conversation with God, uh, or, or, you know, or just talking to him and just, you know, crying out to him going, man, this is not what I expected for my life. This is not what I wanted. Um, and, and he kind of just, you know, I mean, not audibly or anything, but he just kind of just told me like, I got a purpose for you and, 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 but you have to, you have to do something about it. Like it's your choice, right? He gives us free will. It's your choice to believe in me, not to believe in me. He doesn't put that on anybody. He doesn't make you do that. It's, com it's completely on you. Um, and so, you know, I knew what I needed to do at that point. I needed to go turn myself in. Um, and so I called up my girlfriend, called up my mom, asked my mom if I can come home for a couple of days to kind of get sober. My mom was kind of like, eh, I'm not sure. Cause you know, I, me and her relationship wasn't great. Um, so my girlfriend was like, look, I'll, I'll put you up in a hotel, uh, for three days. You know, you can sober up and go from there. Um, and man, I'll tell you what, uh, that, those three days were crazy. I'd love to say, what was the feeling? What was going through God's feelings? Oh man, I, everything, man. I, I, I was curled up in a ball and, and sweating. Um, I was, you know, all of the, the physical withdrawals and then the mental comes with that, right? Is, you know, what, what you know, just wanting to, to go back and get a fix or wanting to get out of this hotel room. And I was staying in this like no-tell motel kind of thing. I don't know if you get my drift. Like, you know, it was a hotel yeah, with, yeah, you know, yeah. it had uh, every channel was like pornography and then, and then it had a mirrors on the top, right? So like I'd wake yeah. up, you know, in the middle of the night shaking and looking up and seeing myself and just going like, like, wow. Um, my girlfriend would just come in and drop food off and she'd disappear. Um, and, but those three days, man, I just kind of sobered up. And then on that fourth day, I, you know, literally walked into the sheriff's office and said, Hey, my name's Adam DeCourt and I'm here to turn myself in. And, um, the person was kind of like, okay. And she went and got an officer that was kind of on my, uh, uh, you know, listed on my case and brought me into a room. And he's like, so why are you here? And I'm like, well, I'm here to turn myself in. And, and he, so we went through this whole process and, you know, I got booked and I, I only ended up uh, spending 29 days um, in jail. But um, I'll tell you something, you know, my dad, he had some problems when he was younger too. And my second weekend, 
my middle brother came to see me and uh, he, we sit down in the, in the visiting thing, right? And we, you know, windows and to pick up the telephone and yeah. he proceeds to tell me, he's like, Hey man, like, do you know, like two seats down from here? I came and visited dad like 10 years ago when he was in jail. And I was like, what? You know, and, and I knew my dad had been in jail a couple times um, for, for fraud and stuff, which is essentially what I was put in, put, put in under. I pleaded down and there were some other things that happened. But, um, and he, when he said those words to me, man, I, my heart fell. My heart sank. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm, I'm repeating my dad's life, basically. Um, and so oddly enough, when I got out, I actually searched cause it's public records. I searched and found out where my dad was at, what cell block he was in, where he got transferred to. And wouldn't you know it? I was in the same cell block as him. I was in the same, um, like location that he was in. Um, and I was at the, the two places where I stayed, I was, um, in the same place that he was at. Um, and so, you know, man, I, I tell you what, God sent me a messenger while I was in there. And I know that sounds a little crazy, but there was a pastor that actually got thrown in jail for domestic violence. Him and his wife had gotten into a, uh, an argument. He had tossed a, a plate at her and she called the cops on him. So he came okay. walking in, man. And let me tell you, when he came walking in, it was like the angels were singing to me. It's like, oh, like no joke, bro. And I, and so I was just drawn to him and he yeah. came right over to me, sat down and we started talking. Um, and he, you know, he gave, he gave me this name of this book called Bondage Breaker. Um, and he's, he kind of laid out what it was about, but it was about breaking those, those bonds that we don't know exist, but are on us from, from generations, um, to, to, or generations ago to, to present and how to break those bonds. Um, and th those are things like even like addictions or things that, you know, get passed down genetic or genetically to us. Um, you know, how do you combat those things? You know, just because your parents are obese doesn't mean that you have to be obese, even if it's in your genes, quote unquote. Um, you know, there's stuff that you can do to break that cycle. Um, and, and, and this before I had kids, this before I was married, before I even like thought about having kids. And I just knew this wasn't me. I just wasn't living the life that I was supposed to live. Um, and so that, that jail time, man, was, was crazy. I, I saw some stuff that I, I wish I hadn't seen some, you know, fights and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I just, you know, spent time and I just said, okay, man, God, I'm, just keep me safe. And, and when I get out, I promise that, you know, um, and I've, <laughs> I made this promise to him over and over, but I promise that I will, you know, live the life that you want to live or that you have for me. And uh, so, man, I, I got out. Um, like two or three days after uh, Easter um, of 2001. And um, I went straight back to the beach. It was one of the first things I did when I got my truck back and, and got my license back and stuff. So I went straight back to the beach and I just spent, you know, another six hours in the same spot I did before and, and just said, okay, you know, what is it? Um, and I struggled, man. I was still, still going through addiction withdrawals. I still wanted to go back and, and do that. But I knew that I needed a change and I needed a change of pace. I needed a change of place. And so I called up my brother who lived in Arizona and I said, man, you know, I, I really need to get out of California. Is there anything you can do for me? Um, and he had a buddy who owned a business out there in the technology world. And so I said, look, I, give him a call, let him know, like, I'll come intern for him. I'll come live for free. I, I don't care. I just, I just need to get out. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm buttoned up against these feelings that I know I'm not strong enough by myself right now to deal with. And so I wanted to just give distance. And, um, and wouldn't you know it, the, the guy, you know, we had a phone call and, you know, I told him I was fresh out of jail and I was like, look, man, here it is jail, drugs, blah, 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 blah. Here's where I'm at. 
I, I want some change. What can you do? You know, and he says, Hey, come on out for an interview and, and we'll talk from there. And so my brother actually paid for my plane ticket out there, stayed, uh, paid for my place to stay. Um, and then, you know, within a month I got hired and I moved out to Arizona. Um, and, and that was the best move I made, um, in my early twenties because it definitely put some distance between where I was at and what I was doing. Did you, Sorry, did, did, did you find any of those same demons in Arizona when you got there? Oh yeah, man. Demons don't, they, they follow you, bro. Yeah, they don't, they say. don't disappear. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I had some, uh, some demons to, to, to deal with for sure. Um, you know, but I felt, um, I felt like it was a better place for me to be in. And so I was able to fight them better uh, during that time. Um, and that's actually during the time that uh, my wife and I kind of rekindled our relationship again. Um, and she came out and visited me a couple times and uh, just as friends and she would, she would leave and she would come back for the weekend and, you know, we wouldn't, uh, nothing would happen during that time. And, but there was one, one specific weekend that she came out and, uh, she left to go, to go back home and I didn't have a car at the time. And so she had to take a taxi, she took a taxi back to the airport and she calls me like an hour later and she's like, well, I'm coming back. I, I'm going to stay the night again. And I said, well, why? She goes, well, she was on the last flight out. Well, I guess there was a bomb scare at the airport. And so they had shut down all the airport and it was going to be a couple hours. And she's like, I'd rather just fly out in the morning. So she came back. And when she came back, we literally had that, that, that come to Jesus for, for conversation with each other. Um, and I know this is so unromantic, but I looked at her and said like, why are we not getting married? Like, let's just get married. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're best friends. We, we definitely love each other. You know, we, we, we like being around each other. Um, let's just get married. And so that was my initial proposal. Now, ladies, don't get too mad. I did, I did sweeten it up a little bit later no, in the process. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did do that, man. I, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, man, that was, that was a, a pivotal moment. I think for me, one of those things I look back and go, it was, it was a good choice for me to kind of distance myself. But like, you know, the question you asked, and, and like I said, man, the demons, they, they still followed me. They, they were still there. And even to this day, you know, I still have, like I said, I got addiction, an addictive personality. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that, that I battle, um, on a, on a daily basis. And that could, you know, be from, from substances to, to, you know, checking this thing on a you know constant basis you know because <laughs> uh, that's an addiction man there's no doubt about it, it. Is. no no it definitely is you know you're yeah. right about that yeah it seems like you know it's it's <laughs> you've been on a journey and life there's a lot of ups and downs in life sure and there's a lot of smiles cries um you've had you've experienced a lot and one that comes to mind in, in particular, what comes to your mind when you hear the date, October 1st, 1st 2017? Um, yeah, man, that date's approaching really quickly next week. Um, and that's been a little bit of a difficult, uh, difficult thing, but, um, so yeah, that date will forever live in infamy and in, in history, uh, in my life and my wife's life and, uh, 22,000 other people's lives. And so, um, let me back up just a little bit prior to that date so I can kind of set the table for it. And that is, uh, like I said, my wife, she travels a lot, uh, with three kids, busy, you know, life is life, right? I'm not, my life does not compare to anybody else's out there because I know we all have our own struggles, demons, and life that we've experienced. Um, but we were in a season of, of just busyness, man. And my wife, was, I would probably say she was that year um, of two, leading up into, into October, she probably traveled at least once or twice a month. And that was, you know, a three to four day to possible a full week stint. Um, some of those were back to back where she'd come home on Friday night and leave on Monday. And so I was, you know, 
working at the time, um, and I was in as ministry. And if any of those that have been in ministry before, uh, that job is one of the hardest jobs that you will ever do, but it's the most rewarding. And, and, and I, I loved it at the time, but it was a stressful time there. Uh, my wife's gone, so I'm taking care of the kids. I'm running them, you know, everywhere. I'm very lucky. I have my mom around and my, also my in-laws are close. In fact, they actually live under the same house now. Um, and so they're, they're, you know, constantly got a lot of help, but, um, we were, we were just in the season of, um, passing each other in the halls. I don't know if, if that resonates with you, but like, you know, we'd kiss each other in the morning, not see each other for a couple of days and then see each other again. And it would be like, you know, craziness would happen. Right. And so, um, one of the things that we learned uh, probably in the last 10 years of our marriage is that we had to set dates in the future for us to look forward to. If that was family vacations or if that was a date night or if that was, you know, friends getting together over at our house with all the families or whatever it was, we had to have something that we were looking forward to to, to you know, help us persevere through those weeks and those days of, of craziness. Um, and we were in a very stressful time. And so we had this date of October or it was really the end of September that last weekend where we, um, had chosen to go to my wife loves country music and wanted to go to this uh, country music festival called route 91. Um, and it had been going on for, I think maybe this was their fourth, fourth uh, concert that they had done. And it's a three day music festival, man in Vegas. And it's just, you know, huge tons of acts and great stuff. And my, my, my brother, my oldest brother and, and his wife and their friends had gone every year. Um, and so we were excited cause they're, you know, they were going to be there and we were going and uh, my wife had a couple coworkers and spouses that were going as well. And so we were just looking forward to this, man. And I tell you, the weeks prior to that, we were very stressed, stressed out. I mean, my wife and I, we, we were button heads. We weren't talking a lot. Um, it was only, you know, let's just discuss what we have to discuss, but we're not discussing anything else. Um, and so we were really looking forward to it. And I actually told her two days before we left, there were some things that we, we needed to, to discuss and work out. Um, and so I said, Hey, look, I know that we need to do that, but I said, I want to take this weekend and I just want to be with you. I don't want to discuss our, our issues or our problems or our life. I just want us to enjoy each other and, and just enjoy each other's company and just reconnect, right? Just get that, that connection back before we try to figure everything out. Um, and she agreed, which for those of you that know my wife, that's hard for her to do to kind of set something <laughs> off to the side and go, okay, yeah, we'll come back to that, right? Uh, I'm the typical man. I'm like, let me sleep on it, honey. And she's like, no, we got to talk about it now, right? Um, <laughs> and so she, she agreed 100%. And man, we got in the car and we started driving to Vegas and it's about a four hour drive. And we had okay. the best conversation, man. We were laughing and listening to music and, and having a blast. Yes. And, you know, we arrived in Vegas. Uh, that Friday afternoon and, and, and we just started to, to really just hang out um, and, and just be with each other. And like I said, my, my brother was there with his wife and a couple of their friends. Um, and um, funny thing was that my brother didn't have tickets to the show. And so they were trying to scalp them um, Friday and Saturday and even Sunday morning. And wow. um, so they weren't there Friday night Saturday, or Friday and Saturday. They, they didn't get tickets. And so we were hanging out with, with a couple of their friends. And then, like I said, my wife's coworkers had, or she had coworkers with their spouses. We were hanging out with them and just having a blast, man. And we'd ran into some high school uh, friends of ours that were there and um, actually had some drinks with them um, on Saturday night. Uh, and we were just having the best time uh, to go. And so to kind of set up the, the venue for you, it was a festival, three day festival. So there was no, uh, 
well, let me see. There was an, like an open standing area in front of the stage, and then there was VIP seats that had seats, and then there was this um, area in the back called a chair corral where you can bring in your own chairs and, and set them up, and so you can sit down. You know, because I mean, the th the concert was like a six seven hour concert um, every day, and so uh, my brother and his and his friends had had brought chairs, and so my brother on Saturday was like, "Hey, man, if we don't get tickets on Sunday, do you want our chairs?" I was like, "Yes, I want your chairs because my feet are hurting. I don't wear cowboy boots, but I borrowed some, and so I was." I was walking around in these cowboy boots, man. And my feet were just barking at me. They were hurting. And so I was like, yeah, I want your chair. So he calls me up Saturday morning or Sunday morning. Um, this was October 1st or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it was October 1st. I believe it was uh, that Sunday. And he says, um, he says, Hey, you, you want my, want my chair? And I said, yeah, I want your chair. Like we'll come get them from you or if you send him a Doug and shell or whatever. And he kind of laughs and he's like, well, you're going to have to go buy buy your own. Cause you know, we got tickets. We're coming. I was like, yeah, right on. You know, <laughs> so excited. I mean, my brother and I never been to a concert before before together right and so was totally jazzed and so um we got ready and we went to the concert that day and we had a great another great day we hung out with my brother and them and i have uh, just recently started going through some of my pictures from that night and there's an awesome picture that my brother and i took just you know uh, just one of those things i look at man and i just go how lucky we are um so fast forward through that night um and we get to it towards the end of the night and it's a second act to the end. So Jason Aldean goes on, which he was the, the headliner that, that evening at closing out the show. Yeah. And um, my brother was two weeks pre uh, hip surgery or hip replacement. So he was on crutches. Um, and so we'd been standing up almost the whole set and he was like, Hey, what do you guys think about heading back and maybe finishing the concert at the chair corral and just sitting down? And we were all like, yeah, let's go back and sit down. So, um, we all, we all left and we went back and we sat down in our chairs and, um, continued to have the concert and, or enjoy the concert. And, um, then, uh, you know, about 10 o'clock, um, you know, right around that time is when we started hearing some things that weren't quite normal uh that we should be hearing and and if you talk to anybody that was there a lot of us will say um that we sounded like firecrackers at first um we were pretty close to las vegas boulevard uh, as far as like on the side of the venue that we were on and it did it sounded like firecrackers and so you know we were in the very very back of the venue so we're like you know probably a hundred yards away from the stage um yep. and there were still massive amounts of people standing there if you look at any of the videos you know stand I mean, people just massive amounts and um, so we're watching this thing happen and we're kind of like, what's that? And my wife's like, she's sitting next to me. She's like, those are gunshots. And I'm like, no, those aren't gunshots. Those are firecrackers. You know? Well, the interesting thing is that we had right in front of us, there was a police officer talking to a, a, a gal. And I think that she was inebriated to the point where they were trying to find some help for her. Um, and yeah. so he was standing there waiting what we think for the paramedics to show. And I looked up and I said, if he goes somewhere, if he runs, then we run. Right. Like thinking like, he, he's going to know what's going on. Not, but after I said that, man, he was gone. And then we started hearing the hail of bullets rain down. Um, the automatic fire started. And then prior to that, it was single shots. Um, there was about six or seven single shots, which like, sounded like firecrackers, like pop, 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 pop. And then um, when that started happening, you know, we, you know, the confusion, right? We're looking around, like, what's that? You know, and then we start seeing the crowd from the front of the stage start to, to, we see mass amounts of people start running backwards and towards us. And then it was just the nonstop hell of bullets that started raining down, bro. Um, and my brother's like, hit the deck. And so we all just went down on our, on our chest, 
you know, what the heck's going on? We don't know all these things. You know, people are starting to really freak out at this point. The whole venue is now, you know, up in arms to, we, we all know that something's going on. Bullets are coming at people. Um, so as we're on the, on, on our, on our, you know, hitting the deck and laying down, we're hearing bullets tinging off. So about like, I don't know, maybe 50 yards behind us, there was these metal, um, uh, kind of like football stadium seats that they had set back in the very, very back. And we could just hear yeah. bullets just tinging off of them. Um, so as I said, my brother was uh, two weeks from having a, a hip replacement. So he was on crutches. Well, at the beginning of that night, he had actually drove to the ADA parking lot. And I hope no one gets in trouble for this, but he had asked the, the supervisor there. He said, Hey, can I park over here? Like, you know, I, I'm on crutches. I don't want to park, you know, far away or at the, the hotels and walk across, I, you know, the guy was cool and said, yeah, bro, no problem. You can park right here. So my, we did, my brother tells us in, in the middle of the chaos, he's like, everybody needs to go straight out that gate and get to my, my truck. My truck's right there in the ADA parking lot. Get there and we'll, we'll bail. Um, and so we all agreed. That's our plan. Um, so in the, the, there was, you know, multiple times where there was a, a lull in the bullets, you know, where people think that, you know, there was, you know, reloading or whatever was going on. Um, but there was these pauses. And so during one of those pauses, we all agreed to get up and go. And so, um, it was my, one of my wife's coworkers and hit and her, uh, him, him and his wife. And then my wife and me, we got up and we started to run, run first. Well, I got about, I don't know, 25 yards away. And I stopped and I realized that my brother's on crutches. He can't, and he's laying down. Like he can't just get up easily and start running. So I pause, I turn back around and I look at my brother. And this was one of the first God moments I, I would say that happened to us that night. Um, and I see his back and he's, you know, his, his buddy and, and, and his wife are trying to help him up. And I, I just had this moment of clarity, man, that just, it was this voice, voice of God, I would say that said, stay with your wife, your brother's going to be okay. I, I instantly turned, my wife had stopped. And so I was able to catch up with her. Um, and then we continued to, to head out of the venue. When we got out of the venue, we, we hit a, a, a ride onto Guile Street. And um, we stopped right there outside of the fence. And um, Tim, my, my wife's coworker, um, as bullets continued to, to fly down, was like, we need to continue to get away from the, the strip. You know, we're, like I tried to look for my brother's truck, couldn't find it. We didn't look, but maybe a split second. And we just continued to run, um, run away from the strip. And uh, luckily, my brother, they got to their truck. Um, and then when they got to their truck, they ended up having to huddle down in front of it because they had bullets coming out them. And this was behind the venue. Um, and so they huddled down, got into their truck. They had people trying to climb in and, you know, open the door and he felt tremendously bad, but he was like, I have to go pick up four more people in this truck. And he already had four people in it. He's like, I can't take you. And so he was able to navigate through this parking lot with thousands upon thousands of people running um, and get out. He almost had to like run through a fence to get over because it just, you know, there was no place to go. I mean, you have 22,000 people just yeah. going everywhere. Um, and he ended up uh, getting, getting out um, and his wife called me on the phone. Where are you guys at? And by this time we had made it down to, to McCarran Airport and we were running alongside McCarran Airport. And we are still hearing bullets flying down and, and are still hearing the shots. Um, at this point, we start hearing, you know, tons of sirens going on everywhere. And we're still going, what the freak's going on? I mean, we still didn't know, right? We knew that there was danger. We knew that there, I mean, we saw things as we were running, uh, you know, people going down and, and, and you know, getting injured and, and trampled and all kinds of just craziness. Um, but he, so my sister-in-law is like, hey, where, where are you at? So I tell her where she's at. And she's like, hey, we're on our way. We're flashing our lights. Um, as we're coming down the street and man, it was like Duke, Dukes of Hazard happened. I mean, it was like my brother or my brother's telling me, 
the doors are unlocked, two of you in the back, two of you in the front. And in the back, they had the big, you know, big cooler that was sitting there. And so he was warning us of that. Make sure you jump in. And literally we, I see him like down the street, I'm yelling at our friends like, Hey, come on, come on, come on, get by us. And I'm telling Carrie and Tim, you're in the front, Andrew, me in the back. And literally he screeched his tires on the way up. Doors come flying open. We just kind of jump in and before doors are closed, he's, you know, screeching on his way out. Um, the second God moment I would say is that, uh, they were staying off strip at a, um, at a, uh, like a timeshare condo about 15 minutes uh, away from the strip. And so that's where we went. Now, my wife and I and everybody else, all of our friends were staying in the Luxor, which is right next to the Mandalay Bay. And that was not happening. Like we're not going back there. It got all locked down, obviously. And so we went to this hotel or excuse me, this condo. Um, and we arrived there. And our night wasn't over yet because my wife had uh, two other coworkers with their spouses that she had called once we got there to find out, you know, are they okay and all this kind of stuff. And luckily they'd gotten out and they were okay, but they were hiding in carports, hiding in a hotel room. Um, and one of them checked into the motel six um, and got a hotel room and they were like literally laying on the floor because they were scared, um, you know, about what's going on. And my wife looked at me and she's like, can we go get them and bring them here? And I was like, absolutely. So I looked at my brother and I'm like, we're going for, we're going on a mission. And he's like, let's go. And so, you know, we exchange, I grabbed my, um, Tim, my, my wife's coworkers phone. Cause he had all their contact information and they're dropping pens on where they're at. Cause I told them like, don't stay where you're at. If you need to go, keep going, we'll get to you. We'll find you. Um, and so we went back, picked up one couple, drove them back to the, to the condo, went back and picked up another couple. And during those times, man, um, it was a moment uh, we're looking as close to the strip as we can get. And we're just seeing ambulances and police cars still flying every which way, just the chaos that ensued. Um, and I, I will say this, you know, the first responders and, and, and the police officers, uh, they did an amazing, amazing job that night um, at, 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 for what they were given. Um, and so uh, we all went back, you know, to the condo. We got, got everybody back there safe. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, like I said, one of, one of my addictions, I used to smoke back in the day. Uh, on the way back from one of um, picking up one of the couples, uh, actually it was the last couple we picked up. I told my brother, I'm like, we need to stop at a convenience store. And he's like, why? And I'm like, well, uh, just stop at the convenience store. And I, I broke down and bought a pack of smokes. <laughs> Um, and, and I smoked that whole pack that whole night. And then by the time my wife and I left, we were, we were done, you know, I was like, no, no more, you know, and we crushed up the rest and, and throw them out. But, um, you know, uh, that night, bro, um, flipped our lives, um, in, in a way that I would never suspect, uh, that life can be flipped. Um, and I'm not the only one to go through tragedy or, or go through an event in their life, uh, you know, that, that has done this. I'm sure there's plenty of people watching this podcast that have had a traumatic uh, event in their life. Um, even losing a, a family member, right. Even to a natural causes is, is a traumatic event. Um, and the grief that comes with that and the, the time of healing that comes with that is huge. And it takes everybody different amounts of time to do that. Uh, so that happened in October, man. And um, at the time I was working for my church and uh, came home and uh, got, took, took a leave of absence. And then basically at the end, right in January, towards the end of the year, we decided that it would be best for both of us to kind of part ways. And so I stepped away, resigned my position there. Um, and then I was sitting there going, okay, what do I do? right? I need to bring, bring home some money to the family. Luckily, my wife, like I said, she's got a great job. She can sustain us, but you know, I'm a man. I like to contribute something to the household. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? And uh, years, uh, years ago, I had started my own painting business, a house or residential painting business. And so I thought, okay, maybe I just go back and paint. Um, I just wasn't feeling like that, but I also was in a place in my life that I it was 
dark, bro. Uh, when I was coming out of the addiction of meth, that was the darkest place in my life. But this, this uh, rivaled that and almost surpassed it because of the, the feelings and things that came about. I had a, I'm a people person, man. I love people. I love talking to people. Um, I, I, my wife always, no. she gets, she gets, you know, embarrassed sometimes because I can sit <laughs> next you know, on a plane and strike up a conversation with you. And, you know, we can be talking about life and everything, anything in between. Um, and, you know, I found myself, um, curled up in my bed, um, you know, pretty much sucking my thumb in a dark room. Um, you know, just losing my marbles. Um, and, uh, my wife and I knew that we needed to seek some, um, some counseling. And so we got some counseling for it and that helped. Um, but then there was some things that we were experiencing that we never experienced before, like anxieties, um, social anxieties. We could no longer, I mean, even, I mean, we're a family of faith. We could, we couldn't go to church and sit in the service because of the crowd of people. There was just too many people. We became exit watchers. You know, we were always constantly looking for an exit. And, and if there was a crowd, we would always scoot ourselves back and be on the fringes of that crowd. Um, and that was not like us. That was, uh, you know, um, they say that if you have anxieties or some sort of feeling like claustrophobia or, or anything like that, when you go through a traumatic event, it'll heighten those sentence, uh, senses. Um, and for my wife, that definitely heightened her sense of everything that she, she had. Um, and, you know, so we saw counseling. And one of the things that we, you know, learned during that time um, was, uh, you know, somebody said something to this and it, and it resonated with me. It said, you know, somebody threw you guys into a washer and put it on the, on a permanent spin cycle. Cause we couldn't tell which way was up. You know, our, our ship was, was doing this, you know, and, and we couldn't write it. We didn't know how to get back on that path. And, and I had a lot of anger and angst against um, where I just came from professionally and, and what had happened and transpired for me having to resign my position. And, and, and I was living in that filth and I was just, and I, I was, not the person who, who even I am today and, and, who, and who I was before. Um, and, and I experienced things that, I, I, like I said, man, anxieties that, that hit that were just um, life-stopping. And so um, I started to look for ways to, to do that. I knew counseling was one of them. Um, I didn't want to go down a pharmaceutical route because, um, like I said, I've had addictions in the past and I didn't, just didn't want to do that. I was trying to, you know, shield myself from that. Uh, no no um, qualms about those that, that seek the pharmaceuticals or that use pharmaceuticals for, for any, um, you know, mental things. I think that it's there for a reason. But just myself, I just knew I just didn't want to go down that route. So, I mean, I was getting massages yeah. and I was, you know, acupuncture and other things I was trying, other modalities I was trying, you know, I'm a, a, a essential oil guy, you know, my, our, our family is. And so I was trying to, you know, use oils to calm myself down and, 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 but I couldn't stop my brain. My brain just would not stop. I couldn't sleep. I was having night sweats. I was having nightmares. Um, you know, uh, and during a, between, uh, between that night and I would say January or I say actually all the way to February, um, my, I was a mess just a complete mess. Um, I had things like I couldn't, I have three kids, right? I mean, when you have three kids in the house, it's loud, right? They're all playing their video yeah. games or, or playing music or talking and you know, this or that. And the, and the TV's, I couldn't handle it. I had to have silence. I had to have like, we were driving, you know, and I had my kids in the car and they'd be, can we turn the radio on? I'm like, nope. They're like, can we talk? I'm like, nope. <laughs> like just silence. Um, I was going to say, how did that like affect your kids? I mean, you, you going, you and your wife going through, a, a tragic event like that. And you know, you yeah. have three kids and you have a household to run. Like how did it affect them? 
Yeah. Well, I would say for a while, they kind of govern themselves. I think my wife and I were a little bit absent in that um, when we got back, but um, we, you know, the the next morning when we were driving home from Vegas, when we finally got, um, when uh, the Luxor came off lockdown and we were able to go back and get our stuff. um, And that was a weird experience. Uh, One day we can, we could talk about that, but um, (laughs) when we were driving home, um, we called, you know, our parents and stuff. And my mom actually had our kids. And so I, we called my mom. Um, we had texted her that night before just so that she, it, we knew that if she woke up and saw it on the news or whatever. We wanted her to know that we were okay. Um, yeah. And so we, we called her and she's like, hey, I, I think you need to tell the kids what happened because they were going to go to school that day. And, um, you know, I mean, kids talk, kids see things in their household. You know, they're going to hear about that some, something had happened, um, you know, in Vegas. And so she's like, I think you need to tell the kids. And so we did, you know, we got on the phone with them and we told them, um, we, we didn't, uh, we sugarcoated it, but we didn't sugarcoat it because, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're real with our kids. We don't like, you know, um, kind of sugarcoating a lot of things. Life is life, right? I mean, it's going to suck and it's going to be great all in the same breath. Um, and so we told them about it and, um, I don't think, my, my middle child and my youngest child didn't really get affected by it. But my daughter, my oldest daughter, she was real affected by it. Um, she didn't want to leave our side when we got home. Um, you know, there's a story a couple months after that, we ended up having to return to Vegas uh, for my youngest had a, a gymnastics competition. And uh, it was our second time back to Vegas. Um, and long story short, my, my, we had family there. My daughter was, my oldest daughter was going to sleep with my mom in her room, but we got a call, you know, after, you know, like 11 o'clock at night after everyone's asleep and my daughter's hysterical. She is just hysterical. We're like, what's wrong? What's going on? My mom's like, she just wants to be with you guys. So so fine. So she comes over, uh, to sleep with us and she's, she, she, we asked her like, what's wrong? And she's like, I just want to be next to you guys. Cause we were in Vegas and she just did not have a comfortable feeling. Um, and that's affected her even, you know, now, I mean, um, I think we're, we're, we're out of the woods, if you will, with some of that kind of stuff. But, um, but for a while, it affected, it affected our family quite a bit. Um, and, you know, they didn't know what was going on with mom and dad, right? I mean, you know, there was times I was short, I, my fuse was like, or I had like no fuse. They could just look at me like, hi, dad. I'd be like, be quiet. Don't say a word, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, but it was, it was crazy, man. I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that we go through, um, experiences in life, not only to learn from them, but to also, um, to, uh, uh, maybe help others in that. Um, and so that act, that, that day that we went to Vegas for, uh, my uh, competition was the first day I had floated. Um, and I know we're going to talk about floating too. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to get yeah. there. <laughs> um, and my friend told me, Hey man, this is the, be- you're going to have the best sleep ever after you float. And so I was all excited. So the first time I floated was that Thursday morning and then we drove to Vegas. And so all I was thinking about as my, my oldest daughter, who's very, very tall, she's 11 years old, decides to come to sleep in this one bed with me and my wife. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to get any sleep. Like, this is crappy. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in Vegas. Um, uh, you know, uh, my daughter's next to me. Like, we're in a small king-size bed, which we have, a, we have a cow king at home, so I'm used to the space. And I'm like, man, I'm going to be sleeping like this, and it's going to suck. I got four hours of sleep. The four hours of sleep were the best four hours I ever got in my entire life. And I know we'll get there. Um, but really? that – Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I, I want to I ask you, because you went through this event – with not only your wife, but your brother, um, friends and to, to, to go through something like this with a bunch of people, it's like, wow. Like it's, it's like, what (laughs) you're like, Holy cow. 
like shit, really cool. Yeah, and then you right? guys all get you guys all get back to this condo. What was it like in the condo? Was it like panic? Were you guys? I know you said you went and got a, a pack of cigarettes, but like, what was everyone saying? What was like you were you trying to reach people and say they were safe? Trying to figure out what happened. Yeah, we we um, I actually have a picture um, of that night. We're all sitting in the uh, in the in the living room of that condo, and there was at the end of the day, I think there was um, let's see, four. So there's like twelve of us, I think, um, that that ended up back at the condo, um, and the mood was very somber and very concerned. We were all still going like, what the F just happened? Um, yeah. you know, and we're watching the news and, and things are starting to come out. Um, and you know, but what we did know is that there was a mass shooting that had happened. Um, one of the couples that was with us, um, ended up hiding under a big like Budweiser truck, um, like a big rig, like a trailer of a big rig that they were storing beer and stuff in. And, um, they ended up having one of the victims, thrown under them under the truck on them and so they had blood just all down their back um and stuff like that and, and there was a lot of shock um you know you talk about shock and awe like there was a lot of shock and awe we're all on our phones trying to communicate to our families you know that we're okay um we we, we all had other people that we knew that were there so we're trying to contact them make sure they're okay um and it was it was a weird night but i'll tell you what there was um you know, probably about four or five o'clock in the morning, we decided to turn off the TVs and um, everybody was kind of like, we, we, we gonna try to sleep. Um, so we just kind of all found a, a spot and curled up and, and, you know, I don't know if we slept. I, I think I did fall asleep, but kind of in and out of sleep for a little bit. Um, and then, you know, woke back up and started checking social media and, you know, trying to find out more that was going, you know, what, what had happened, you know? And, and I think until that next morning, we, you know, nobody really knew, the scale of what, what transpired. I mean, we knew it was big and we knew that something, um, something messed up had happened. Um, and, and so I would say, you know, the, it was a somber, heavy, um, somber, had the heavy to get together with those people. Yeah, we have. Absolutely. Um, my brother, obviously we see each other quite a bit. We've gotten, um, together a couple times there, you know, I would say that one thing that's came out of this event is that there's been a lot of community that's came about. Um, so there's a ton of Facebook groups out there for survivors, um, for all different areas of the, of the, of the nation, because, you know, there's a lot of people, but there's a lot of people from Southern California because Vegas is so close to us. Um, and you know, one of the, or yeah, one or two of the victims actually live in my hometown um, with their family and stuff. And one of the ones that, that have passed away. Um, and so we've, you know, there, there's a lot of things going on, but we got together, uh, gosh, a month or so after it had happened and talked about how we're doing and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And we support each other um, in any which way we can. Um, and, uh, you know, this, as we approach this anniversary, my brother and, and a lot of people we know are heading back to Vegas for, uh, a lot of the, there's a lot of events that are going on in Vegas next weekend, uh, for, um, October one. And, um, you know, they're going, unfortunately we can't make it cause we have schedules with kids and, and, and uh, yeah. soccer games and stuff to get to. Um, so we can't do that, but we're, we're looking to get together with a couple of our friends and maybe even head down to one of the country bars out here in California. That's kind of uh, done a lot of uh, support for the route 91 victims and survivors and stuff. Um, 
but you know, I think that's, if there can be a good thing that comes out of the bad, which I always think there's gotta be something good that's, that comes out of everything that's bad. Um, at least that's my hope anyways, um, is that there's been community and, and, you know, and on a daily, you see people supporting each other, um, especially right now. Um, you don't realize this and I didn't realize this until I saw a post come through where somebody had just said, Hey, is anybody having nightmares and anxieties? like all of a sudden, like they were okay. And all of a sudden they're back. And, um, you know, as we approach our, our one year anniversary, those things start to dredge back up. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I had this for the longest time in between that stretch of October one and January. Um, I was, man, I was on my laptop and I was diving into every single article that was written about it. Every single video that was posted, every from, from the mainstream media to the underground media, I was following it all. And I was trying to, you know, find answers and trying to find, you know, the whys and the what's and the hows. And, and, and I was just in this dark place. So that's all I did all day long was just search YouTube videos and search articles and all this stuff. Um, and you know, one thing that's, that's unique about it though, when you talk to other survivors, even my wife, okay, who we were shoulder to shoulder from the moment it started to the end of it was we experienced different things. We saw different things. And so our experience yeah. is not the same. And even when my wife and I were, were going through um, counseling and, 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 you know, we were having our individual, even though we were to get there together, like the, the counselor would be speaking to us individually, we'd be telling our own story. It was night and day from the differences of what we saw, what we experienced, the things we heard, the things that we smelt, tasted. I mean, everything was completely different. Um, and so getting together with fellow survivors and, and, and hearing their stories and what they've gone through and their experiences even post that date, um, it, it's been helpful for me. Um, and so what I started to do, man, is I started to vlog about it. I just really started to go, man, I, I, I want to, I want to talk about this mental thing that I'm dealing with. And, you know, you can't turn on the news right now without, without hearing mental awareness, right? That there's, you know, things going on and that, you know, everybody's, you know, got some mental thing happening and all these events that take place, um, you know, they always find these guys that got some sort of, you know, mental issues or they, they in the past they have or whatever, um, you know, and they want to point it at the pharmaceuticals and say, Oh, they were on this type of drug and maybe that's why, or whatever. I, I don't know why or what draws, what would make somebody do those things. Um, you know, I, I can only speculate. Um, but the one thing I do know is when your brain gets messed up, it's hard to write that shit, man. Um, you know, my brain got messed up. I was angry and I was depressed and I was scared to walk outside. I was, you know, scared to go to the grocery store and, you know, um, scared of, you know, you, you would hear a loud noise um, and it would just set, set, set you off. Um, you know, my wife travels a lot and for her to get on an airplane and a crowd of people and know that there's only one exit in and out, um, you know, that was stressful for her and that, that set her off and, you know, um, getting introduced to PTSD, um, you know, that's that I, I have a compassion for people that have been diagnosed with that or have dealt with that. Even our soldiers, it's like, you know, you hear about, you know, soldiers coming back and dealing with PTSD. Um, and I had compassion for them before, but man, let me tell you what, my heart beats for them now. I talk about compassion. Like I understand to a small degree of when your life gets flipped and, and it's a traumatic event, what, how you can become mental. You become a mental case. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I'll go back to, you know, I knew when, when I got out of jail, when I was in jail, God's like, I got a purpose for you and a plan for you. And when I started to snap out of my mental, mental situation I was in and holding on to that truth, 
I started to write my shift a li- ship a little bit. I started to come back to life a little bit. I started to come back to like, okay, you know, hey, crazy things were still happening. You know, we still couldn't go be comfortable in church. We still couldn't go and go to the movie theaters or, you know, gosh, man, we went to the movies after that. And there was this gentleman that walked in late after the thing and he got on his phone. He was on his phone for 30 minutes. All I could think of, what is this guy doing on his phone? Why is he on his phone? Why did he come in here late? Like my brain's just like going on and I, you know, there's still times now, man, I got some dark thoughts that run through my head when we're in an open space and things like that. And my heart starts to pound and I'm like, well, man, if somebody came in here with a gun, like we could all be screwed. You know what I mean? Like, and those thoughts never crossed my mind before. And so now I deal with that. That's constantly in the back of my head. It's hard. Um, but, but yeah, being around other people, you know, is, is such a relief though, when you can talk about it and they're like, you know, somebody will post something and they're like, man, I had a nightmare last night, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I've been struggling with the same thing. And you know, that community that we get, cause you know, we experienced it, even though we experienced it differently, we experienced the same thing. And sometimes you can't connect. It's why soldiers sometimes, right. Want to go back into the war. Uh, they want, you know, after coming home and they're like, they're, they, they want to go back because that's the only way that their mind is conditioned to be able to, you know, allow themselves to live a life, you know, is that they're like, I just want to go back. Cause that's, that's what I know is normal. Um, and, and, and so it's like, you know, when you come out of that, it's like, what's normal. Well, a lot of people say that, you know, it's, this, this is my new normal that I'm living now. Um, and yeah, there's some truth to that, but there's also some truth that you can go back and be, and find the person that you were before, but it takes a lot takes a lot and you need some help doing that either from friends to family to counselors to something in faith or meditation something that something that just helps write your brain um and, and and i had never been like that before never had my my brain just not stopped and and constantly go and and worry and you know all these things um and so then i found floating in january um, my, uh, end of January beginning, um, or actually, I'm sorry, it was, uh, February, beginning of February. Um, I was sitting in my backyard having a couple drinks and cigars with some really close, close friends of mine. Um, and I was talking to them about what I was experiencing, you know, what I was feeling and what I was going through. And one of my buddies just says, Hey man, you need to go float. And I'm like, float, what is this float thing? What are you talking about? So I got on my phone, right. And Googled it and saw some videos and read a little bit about it. And I was like, I'm willing to try it anything right now to get my brain and my body to stop. Man, I had so much tension in my neck. My yeah. shoulders were up here and, 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 and um, I could not get them to relax. Um, and I was having headaches to the point where by like eight, nine o'clock at night, um, my eyes were hurting so much. And my head was hurting. I'd have to close them and just go to bed. Well, I got three young kids, man. And when daddy's going to bed at seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, they're going like, what's wrong with you? Right. Yeah. And, and that that's doesn't not, work. Yeah, that doesn't work, man. And I'm missing out, right? I'm missing out on, on time with them and stuff. And, and so, I, you know, again, it was just looking for something to, to right my ship. And so that next Thursday, all three of us went and floated. And uh, it was an experience, man, that changed my life from that moment on. Um, really? and, and it gave me a spark and it gave me um, another, uh, another factor in my reason and uh, my whys and my purpose in, in life. Um, and that was, um, I said, man, if this worked for me, like this is going to have to work, especially for the 22,000 people that I know that are dealing with the same stuff I'm dealing with. Right. Um, and so, you know, and I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I've started my own business before, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I just looked at my buddies, no joke. We're sitting in this room before we left. And I'm like, why are we not talking about opening up our own center? Like, 
you know, let's, let's look into it. Let's see what, you know, if this yeah. is a viable business, right? I mean, obviously you want to make some money and you want to do some stuff, um, you know, and so, man, I dived head first, didn't even test the water, uh, started, you know, I got home and my, my, my videos and the, the articles I was searching for prior to that about the event faded away because I had a new purpose. I had a new drive. I had something else I was looking for. And if you talk to my wife, she'll tell you like, man, when, when I don't have that, I'm the darkest, deepest, you know, little, uh, uh sad clown. Um, and I can bring the room down because yeah, black. <laughs> yeah it was like black, black you know, cloud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, you know, this is like destruction of, you know, uh, of an existence. Um, and she saw me turn and she saw me, you know, start to, to come back. And it was not only, I think, because I had a drive that I want, you know, something else I wanted to do and a little project, if you will, um, that kept my mind busy, but, um, I continued to float and I floated probably that first month or two. I think it was about, um, it was like almost every other day, at least twice a week I was floating really for an hour at a time. And every time I floated, I ended up becoming more relaxed my brain started to slowly, slowly slow down. I was able to think clearly. I was able to, you know, put two thoughts into a complete thought and not just be scrambled. Um, and it, it changed, 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 changed my life, man. Um, and so when, when I found out that, you know, there was not a lot of sinners around us, that there was, we had a drive, you know, I'm in Southern California. So, you know, everywhere is 45 minutes to get to without traffic. Um, and then you add traffic on there and it's like two hours to get there. Right. Trust me. And, I know. Yeah. I know, so, I know how traffic rolls out, yeah. especially out that way. Right. Right. And so, um, there was an, a handful of sinners out here in California that are float centers and, but they're all 45 minutes away. Um, and I just started thinking like, why are they 45 minutes away? How come there's not one closer? We could do this. We could put one closer, you know, I'm yeah. in the Inland Empire of, of Southern California. And I'm like, you know, the Inland Empire, like we could use it, like we could do it. And so, you know, I started diving into it, man, and, and going, uh, find, trying to find numbers and connecting with center owners. And um, I started to float more often and, um, you know, dive into the science behind it. And that's when I really, really, really just said, okay, this is legit. This is not a, a snake oil that somebody's selling. This is not a fad, um, you know? Uh, and so it, it, I'll, I'll get into a little bit of the science of it um, so, so everyone can understand why this has been so beneficial to me. Um, well, can I ask is, you... Sure. Go ahead. That's what I, I want to ask you one last question about yeah. the, the event. And it, it's about the, the original reason why you, you went out there. Obviously you went out there to, to, to have the, you know, celebrate the festival. Sure. But you and your wife were disconnecting from, you know, the stresses in life and you're like, let's just go out there and, you know, have this weekend. What's your relationship now with your wife after going there that weekend and experiencing this event? And then now you finding floating is, is does she float as well? She does. Yeah. She's not as, not as often as I do, but she does. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. Um, our, we had the, we, we had the best weekend, man, all the way up until that night, just enjoying each other for not, not looking at each other. Like, ah, oh, you know, you left your clothes on the floor and now I'm all pissed. Like we didn't let any of our normal day-to-day -day stuff and even the big things we were dealing with, um, affect us. We just truly reconnected that weekend and had an awesome time reconnecting. Um, and then going to that event, we've actually said many times that we're thankful that both of us were there together because, um, we don't know if, you know, if, if I, if she was there and I wasn't, if I would understand what she went through and I'll tell you, I wouldn't, um, uh, and nobody can, even those of us that, you know, were there together. Again, like I said, we all had the same experience, but different. And so, um, even, even our effects are different, you know, um, her, um, 
her senses and, and things, she's more affected by it than, than I am. I can stand in the back of a crowd. I might get a little anxious, but I'm okay where she's like, no, I got to go. I got to step out. I got to be away um, type of a thing. But I'll tell you what, going through that together is, it has brought us closer. Um, you know, we did find a new uh, respect for each other. We found a new love for each other. We found, um, you know, that we can rely on each other more than we ever thought possible. Um, you know, Sorry, my dog came up to me. Go lay down. <laughs> um, he stuck his nose on me once. Wants me to pet him, but um, so you know, I would say, man, yeah, we're we're definitely closer than we were before. Um, it doesn't make our relationship any easier, right? <laughs> we're still a married couple that butts heads. Yeah, um, but but we do we do have a, a little bit more of a found, found like some grace with each other. Like we know, um, like there's times, especially in between me floating. Um, I have about a 10 to 12 day float time, like where I, I, I by my eighth, ninth, 10th day, my shoulders start rising up. I'm shorter on my fuse. Um, even my kids will tell me like, you know, like maybe snap at them and they're like, hey dad, when's the last time you floated? Maybe you should go float. <laughs> um, and, uh, but you know, yeah, man, it's brought us closer together for sure. Um, you know, it definitely has, um, you know, go, going through, when you have to run for your life. Yeah. And I mean, literally run for your life. Um, that experience bonds people together. Um, you know, even, even those that are with us, uh, that were with us that night, um, we have a bond that, 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 that nobody will be able to break and that nobody will be able to understand. And for the longest time that we had group text messages going on, you know, where we were just, you know, hey, checking in on each other. How you doing? What's going on? You know, how are you feeling today? Um, you know, those type of things. And, and I even think for my wife, um, you know, when, when one of us experiences um, those anxiety moments when we're together, we have so much grace and love for each other that we wouldn't have had before. We would have been like, hey, why are you so grumpy? Deal with it. Like, you know, smile a little bit or don't snap at the kids or whatever. Where now it's like, you know, we see that we're like, okay, we'll even like, hey, kids, like, let's stay away from dad for a little bit. Let's give them some space or, you know, like, hey, kids, let mom have her space or, um, you know, especially if we've traveled or something like that. But, you know, going back to the kids too, because we involved them in this conversation. We didn't hide any, any of our conversations from them, um, you know, and we took them back to Vegas. Um, gosh, I want to say it was, I don't even remember the date. It might've been about a month or so after it was right before they moved, um, all the crosses that were sitting in the, in the entrance to Vegas on Vegas Boulevard. Um, and we took them back, just did like a, a literally a turnaround day. One Sunday morning, we were like, let's go to Vegas. And we took the kids, um, and walking, we walked our, our path of escape. And then we took them back to the venue and we took them to where all the crosses were. Um, and we cried with them. We hugged them. We, we allowed them to see what was going on um, it, it, with everybody else that was there too. We didn't shelter them or hide that from them because this is life, man. Life is real and life sucks sometimes. And sometimes, you know, life sucks and it happens to you when you're like, why is this happening to me? You know, I mean, we're grateful that we weren't physically shot or physically hurt. Um, but the mental chess game that we have to play now is, is hard. And when we look at our kids, we go, man, they're, they're just as vulnerable as we are. And we want them to experience that. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, I don't know, even coming like as a, a thoughts come into my mind that, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty sure that even your school districts, right. They go through active shooter training now. And it's like, we, it's like yeah. out here in California, we had earthquake drills, right. And that was the only drill that we ever did when I was in school. And now it's like, you got earthquake drills, fire drills, and active shooter drills. And, you know, they're teaching the kids to huddle, you know, and lock doors and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 you know, and like, I freak out about that sometimes I'm like, 
man, you know, I, I tell our teachers this, that my kids teachers this all the time. I'm like, I, I'm thankful for who you are. And, and, and I, man, I give them so much love and grace because those are the people that are going to be with our kids when shit goes down. Right. And, and, and their lives are on the line just as much as a police officer these days. And, and I hate saying that. I don't think it's right. And I, I hate saying that, but that's just the world we live in. Um, so, sorry, I went on a little tirade there. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I mean, I mean these things are, are happening all the time. And it's just too many of these events, these mass shootings. And it's kind of like people sometimes I think are just like numb to it. You hear it and you're just like, oh, right. it's just not like national news. Whether it could be like just in Maryland, there was three people just recently shot at a, at a business. Like people just kind of like glance over that. Like, no, like that's, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know the full story of it but that's a shooting. Like that's like, there's an issue there. Like these things are just happening more and more. And I I don't want to dive into that. That's a whole nother discussion. Um, But, but that's just like those things that that happen. Like, like for instance, you went through like the, probably the worst shooting on this U S soil. And for someone that went through something like this and to see this happen again and again and again, I can only imagine like the triggers that, 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 that brings up for you mentally. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Those, those are one of the things, you know, you turn on the news and you see that. And um, I'm a news junkie. Uh, I do, man. I have apps on my phone and I'll turn on the news, you know, morning and evening and whatever. Um, although I've, I've learned to not do that because I realize that I am a junkie to it. Um, and, and I think, man, who was it? I don't know. Somebody who's out there in, in the vlogosphere or something like that that talked about, you know, when something happens in the world, somebody's going to tell me about it. So I don't need to worry about like checking the headlines. Um, and I've tried to, to implement that into my own life. Um, you know, and, and although when, when, when I do hear about shootings or, or, or mass events like that um, across the world, uh, I do have a newfound um, feeling or respect for the victims or those that go through it. Um, you know, I think the, the mass shooting that happened before October was the uh, one out by you, I think the uh, Pulse nightclub. Uh, shooting. Yeah. In Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that was uh, what was crazy was some of those survivors actually flew out to Vegas to help out those survivors out, out in Vegas, uh, those that were local and stuff. Wow. And I, you know, and I, I just thought like, you know, it, it's true. Only a small sect of people really understand what it's like to, to go through that experience. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, when it happens at schools, as jacked up as the, that is, I feel for those kids because I can't deal with the things like, the, like that I'm dealing with and I'm an adult, right? Yeah, you'll never These be are right. Ki- yeah. yeah, it's just, you know, no yeah. kid, or, no, no person or kid should have to go through anything sure. like that. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. And the, just the community, like the, that community and the the – victims and that their families that they have to deal with and the survivors coming from Orlando over to Vegas. That just shows you that that's, that's like the America that we should be living. That should right. be right. You know, right. Have some compassion for all of us, right? Like regardless yeah. of where you're from, what you believe, how you think or what you don't think, or it doesn't matter. Compassion. You know, I mean, I think that was something that, um, we felt after, you know, when you, when you really dive into the stories of that night and there's a, there's a, a production company that's a film company that's uh, shooting a, um, a film, a documentary about it. But when you start hearing 
um, you know, all about all those people that were there and stayed there to help people, you know, to, to drag people that were shot away from the shooting or to stay with yeah. people because they were shot or whatever it was, or people, you know, commandeering trucks and, and throwing people and taking them to the hospital and all these things that people like, when you ask them, like, how come you did it? And they were like, it was instinct. It's just something, you know, and we all have this fight or flight instinct. And regardless of your training you have, you know, mentally, or if you're like a soldier that was there or, or an off-duty police officer that were there, they still, some of them flew, you know, they, they, they fly, they, they ran and some of them stayed to help. Um, and you can't control that. That's something that you can't, you, you can sit here and go, oh, I would stay and I would help for sure. You don't know that until you're in that situation, yeah. man, if you're going to yeah. run or if you're going to stay and, and fight. And I thought about that now, like one of the thoughts that run through my head, like what would happen if we're in that situation again? Would I stay or would I go? And you I don't know, know what I would do. Yeah, yeah you, you just, just don't, don't know. know. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know. No one knows. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like I said, it's just instinct. Um, let's shift over to community. Let's talk about the Hustle Island. Yeah, yeah, right on. How did you find Hustle Island? Yeah, so um, I it was through Instagram, actually. And that was done. Um, I think I want to saw see, I don't know if I saw an ad come through. Um, or if it was somebody's post and I, and I can't remember if it was the ad that came through, like with the picture of the shirt on it. And I, I love shirts, man. I love shirts that make a statement. And so I was like, what hustle? That's sweet. I like that shirt. And it was like, you know, I think it was the, you know, get your free hustle shirt or whatever. And the, and the hustle community was just launching at that time. And so, um, I, I messaged somebody, I don't remember even who it was. Um, and said, how do I get involved in the, I want to be a part of the Facebook group that you guys are launching. Um, and I went onto the website and I got my hustle shirt, uh, my free hustle shirt at the, the first time and, um, was excited about it. Uh, and then when I, when I, and really it was a shirt that got me, that's what drew me in. I was like, Ooh, I like that. Like, that's cool. I, I, I can wear that. Um, and then when I found out what the community was about, I was like, dumbfounded, man. When I started seeing all the stuff that Greg was posting and I saw some of his videos that he had done in the beginning. Um, and, and just, you know, the reason why he created this community and, and it fell right in line with, with just my beliefs, you know, especially right now, just knowing that community is huge. And when you can rely on a group of people to help you through something um, or give you advice, maybe, you know, for those that have walked a path before you and you're walking that same path, um, you know, mentorship is huge from where I, you know, the industry I came from, you know, having a mentor is huge. And I think that it's, it's important that, that you have people to look to that have gone, have walked that path before you um and, and can offer you guidance um and you know there's tons of coaching networks out there and there's tons of uh, resources out there and books and things that, that all talk about the same thing that, that greg has created with the hustle community but there's a couple things that i find that are that are different and one of the things i find that are different that is that he's connecting us with with like-minded people that have these experiences at either a fraction of the cost or no cost um, and, and i feel that that's that's given back to, to, uh, to people like no other, right? I mean, it's one thing I love about Bill Gates, um, you know, uh, about his foundation right now. And like, even the fact like, you know, his kids aren't going to receive any of his money because he wants them to earn it. But two, they started the foundation. And one of the reasons why he started the foundation is he feels that he's been blessed so much that he needs, he, he has a duty to help whoever he feels he needs to help out in, in, in the world. And he's willing to put his own resources behind that or his own experiences behind that um, for little to no cost. And I think that that's huge. And so um, 
you know, definitely the shirt caught my eye. And when I started to, to hear about the, the, you know, the connections that were happening um, and, and getting into that group, um, especially with me, that's, it was right about the same time that I was starting to look at starting a new business. Um, and I've started a business before, but that's because so different when you can start a, a painting business. Cause it's like, okay, I got the skill to paint. I can go have a Facebook page and I can go start painting, get a license from the local town and, you know, got my DBA and all these things and whatever, but I've never started a, a true legit brick and mortar business, which I know today and today in a day and age, like, why are you starting a brick and mortar business? But unfortunately it's just the, the industry I find myself in now. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. We're, we're, we're not virtually floating just yet, but that right. might come soon. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> how about, um, how has the community in uh, Hustle Island and Greg, how have they helped you with your business now? Cause we're going to get into floating. I, I'm, I'm going to dive into yeah, that for sure. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I would say it's, it's honestly, man, it falls on this shirt. The biggest thing that I've had is the shirt and stickers. Uh, I you can't, you can't see it on my laptop. I, I have a hustle sticker there. I, like I said, I, I got two hustle shirts. I got another one on the way. Actually, I got three cause I, have to, I got another one, but, um, what this reminds me to, to hustle every day, to have that perseverance, to, to do that and, and, and to, to continue along my hustle and my, my reason of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, and I think it's just the motivation that I see on a daily basis. And even, you know, uh, when I log on to Facebook and I scroll through and I see other hustlers, you know, posting videos or posting their, their hustle and their grind or the things that they're facing right now, um, to know that there's other people out there um, you know, doing the same thing I'm doing, just kind of trying to figure it out and do something to better their lives or better the lives of somebody else. Um, you know, that just resonates with me, man. I, I, I have a huge, um, you know, heart to want to help people, um, and to serve people in, in some way, shape or form. Um, and, and, you know, I, man, I just, it's just huge. And so I think the biggest thing for me is just the reminder, the daily reminder. I mean, you're wearing the patient shirt right now, which I'm waiting on my patient shirt to come because man, <laughs> patience, right? I mean, that's what I want to plaster on me too. Is man. Like, we all yeah. need it. I'm telling you, man, I we mean, all need patience, man, especially in the business world. I got to ask now you're, you're, you're starting out this business floating sleep, uh, sensory deprivation. Yeah. What are some of the struggles, you know, writing a business plan, starting the business, getting it off the ground? Like, you know, let us know, tell everyone out there. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I started this journey back in January and, um, I just started, you know, really just looking online at like, what is this floating thing all about? What is, what does it mean? What, what is it, you know, what's the science behind it, all that. So essentially what floating is, is, um, like you said, it's sensory deprivation, although we, we are in the industry trying not to use that term anymore because it's got a okay. negative, negative condensation. So, um, it's really, Why is that? um, um, well, you know, you think of deprivation, it's just got like this, like, like this negative condensation. And when you, when you actually look at the history, when you talk to people about sensory deprivation tanks, they think back to the fifties and sixties, which is, um, in the sixties, I can't remember. There was a film that came out where some guy went into a sensory deprivation tank. It came out as this like werewolf, half alien, half monkey <laughs> thing. And like, it went crazy. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of the yeah. older generations look at that and they're like, I'm not stepping into a sensory deprivation tank. It's going to turn me into some crazy hairy alien or something. Um, and in the fifties, when it, when, when, floating actually really got created was by this guy named um, 
Dr. Lilly, John C. Lilly, and he started, he, what he wanted to do is, he, in, a, in a sense, he wanted to find out what happens to our, our brain when we're sleeping or when you start taking away certain senses um, that we have, right? Smell, touch, uh, um, hearing, and all that kind of stuff. What, what happens to our brain? So he devised this archaic, crazy-looking tank thing that you get to wear this helmet looking like space, big old helmet thing, and a lot of uh, hoses going on to you, and you had to be like floating in this crazy looking tank. And, and it was just like, looked like something out of the, I don't know, 50s scary movie time, you know? Um, and, but what he found was, is that when you put the brain in the body in a floating state or in a state of being able to float, and there's no gravity an anti-gravity state, your brain actually starts to do some really cool things. Um, and, and so he, he really started to look at that. So that's, um, so we, we, we use the term rest therapy or floating therapy now. Um, and rest okay. is an acronym for, um, uh, restricted environment therapy. Um, and, and really what it is, it's, it's putting yourself, especially now we're so connected, right? And we talk about all the time getting, you know, disconnected from technology and disconnected from our life or unplugging and all that stuff. Um, and let me tell you, there's nothing, there's no environment on the planet like a floating tank or, or uh, um, a float therapy. There's nothing like it. There's no place, there's no environment like it. There's no place you can go do it. You know, people will say like, well, I floated in the Dead Sea because the Dead Sea has a very high concentration of, of salt. Um, and so you can float in there and people go do that and it's crazy, but you're still having to float and you're in the ocean. You're like moving around and your senses are still going up and your brain is still trying to keep your body level because what actually happens is when you go and you lay on your back in a pool and you float, your body actually, your brain goes into flight or, um, uh, flight or uh, fight senses because it thinks it's drowning. And so it starts to wig out a little bit, even though you know like, okay, well, I'm just floating, whatever. But your senses are crazy. So what happens is in, in a float, float tank, you get to get to get into this environment and the environment is um, soundproof, lightproof. And it's, it's about, um, let's just say 200 gallons of water with about a thousand pounds, anywhere between 700 to a, to a, to a thousand pounds of Epsom salt in there. So it makes this solution that you get to float in and it's only 10 inches. So it's real, you know, not thick. Um, and this, that the water is actually heated to skin temperature. So when you get in there, um, in, in about five, 10 minutes, um, you kind of lose a sensation of where your skin ends and where the water begins. Um, and so that, hence the term floating, you actually feel like you're floating in air, the, the zero gravity feel. Astronauts have been noted to say that um, it's the closest environment um, to space that they've been able to experience. Um, and so, um, you know, I'm sure most people know like Epsom salt baths, right? It's very common. A lot of people soak in Epsom salt baths or, you know, if you have recovery oh, yeah. from a, uh, uh, an injury, you're soaking in that. I mean, it's, it, that's been around for, for eons. Um, so there's nothing new there. Um, but when you start to take away your sight, your smell, your, your ability to hear, and even a little bit of the ability to, to touch and feel, um, your brain starts to it's never been in this environment before, right? I mean, since you were in the womb, your body's never been floating. You just kind of, um, you know, it doesn't know what to do. So um, you go in this environment and you, and you lay down and you, to, you to get in the tank, shut the door, and your body just, as soon as you lay back, just bloop, just kind of just effortlessly you float. And then your body's about half in the water, half out. You spend about 60 to 90 minutes in this, in this environment. Um, and... You, so let's just talk about the floating, what it does like for the body. Every joint in your body gets to decompress at the same time. 
Okay. I don't know if you've ever been on like a, one of those machines that uh, decompression for the spinal decompression that kind of pulls you and all that stuff. It's just, you know, it's decompressing your spine, which is great. Yeah. It feels great. I've had slipped discs in the back and bulging discs and that's helped. Um, when I had, when I, when I did those things, but this is something that I get to go in and you just lay back and everything starts to just relax, um, and decompress. Um, and then, so, so if you got a uh, recovery from, a, um, let's just say like an injury, it, you know, the Epsom salt and magnesium in there is going to help. Um, the Epsom salt and the magnesium is actually going to start pulling out toxins from your body. So your body's actually detoxifying while you're in there. Um, and then the biggest thing for me, not only the physical, I think is huge. I think it, 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 there's so many benefits to being able to, to go float physically, but the mental, the mental thing is what gets me, man. That's kind of where my, my passion lies. And that is it allows your brain to kind of start to turn off. Um, and it's an art, just like meditation, right? Like you don't just go, like, okay, I'm going to meditate one day and you listen to a meditation track and you're like fully into meditating, right? Like it doesn't work that way. You work for months and years yeah, of being able to, time. yeah, to, 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 how, or to hone in that craft, right? I mean, you, you have to do, you got to spend the time and, and you got to put in, put in the time and work to get to that state. Well, you know, um, probably from meditating, right? You can get into that theta state where your brain is just kind of like, okay, theta waves are moving and I can really just kind of just relax and chill and I can think about something. Um, well, floating does that for you almost instantaneously. I say instantaneously and I probably shouldn't use that word. Um, it takes a little bit of time to, to get there, but within the first float session, somebody can get into that meditative state without any training, without any, um, you know, pre-knowledge of that. I've never made it meditated before in my life. Um, now as I'm jumping into the wellness industry and stuff, I'm starting to look into that and, and stuff. And I don't know if I'll be an avid, um, you know, meditator, but, it's the same thing, man. Prayer life and, and meditation, when you kind of quiet everything else out and focus in on one thing, it does wonders for you, um, you know, mentally and, and physically. Um, so uh, let's see, I kind of lost my train of thought here. Um, so you're in, in this uh, environment that your brain's never been in and it kind of flips out a little bit. There's no doubt. When you go in there at first, you're like, your, your thoughts are racing because it's like your brain doesn't know what to do. It's like, what, what's, I've never felt this way before. I don't know what to do. Man, I got to check my phone. I got to, oh man, I got an appointment that I got to get to after this. I got to pick up my kids, whatever it is, right? Life starts happening. Starts, but then after like 15, 20 minutes, those things start to melt away and you start just like, having those like kind of quiet moments of like, whoa, okay. Um, I don't hear anything. I don't see anything, you know? And it's like, okay. And I'll tell you what, for me, when my brain is going and it won't stop, um, either about my hustle that I'm doing, about my, my life, my job, uh, past experiences or future experiences or whatever, if I start working myself up, man, there's no place that I can sit there and I can, I can just let it go. Um, and so for an hour to an hour and a half, I get complete silence, complete unplug, complete moments to, to think, um, you know, uh, it's a craft. So, you know, as you float more often, you, you, you know, you, you train your brain to kind of, um, get into that, that meditative state. Um, I've gone into the tank, um, wanting to just get relief from my body pain. And that's all, that's all I think about. Just relief from my, my body. That's all I want. And that's it. Um, and uh, I, there's a term out there in, in the industry called like, it's like the reset button for your body and your mind. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you have a stressful week, you know, all of us do. And, and it's like, you come home 
and, and what's the thing that you do to, to relax? You know, some people are like, oh, I want to have a, you know, nice cigar and a nice brandy. That's my moment of relaxing. Some people like to turn the TV on and veg out that way. Um, some people like to go to the gym, right? That's where they get their stress out. Some people want to go hit the basketball court. That's where, you know, where they get their stress out. Some people want to read a book. Some people have to go on vacation, whatever. This is an opportunity for you to do that and build that into your life very easily when you go float. Um, and it, it's, it, man, I just can't say enough about how amazing it is, but so I'm going to go back to the science behind it because I think that, that that's important. Um, when your brain actually gets in that theta state, that's the same state where we talk about when you sleep and you're in the, the REM sleep. Okay. So your brain is active, right? When you're in that, that REM sleep, but your body yeah has shut down and your brain's going, okay, it's time to, to, to relax everything and it's time to re regenerate and, you know, recuperate. Right? That's when, you know, the body sends all of its, you know, cells and everything to go fix what's wrong, right? You, you know, I have a scratch on my hand. When I'm sleeping, that's when my body's attacking that scratch and healing it and everything else. So your body's working. Um, but how many times do we actually fall into that REM sleep? you know, and get that solid sleep we need, probably not very often. Like I said in the beginning, right? How many, out of eight hours, if you go to sleep eight hours before you're supposed to wake up, which no, a lot of us don't, what does that do? And how is that affecting our daily life? And it is, I mean, we need our sleep, we need our rest. But the fact of the matter is we don't do it, right? We, by the time that, you know, for me, right? Our, our life, by the time we get, my daughter doesn't get home till 8.30, my youngest doesn't get home till 8.30 at night. So we decide we made it a pact in our family. We sit down and have family dinners. So that means the whole family waits to 8.30 to have dinner. And we're not done till 9.30 at night. And then it's like, okay, go shower, and get, you know, get ready for the, for the day, right? That's, that's late. That's something that we decided as a family that we're going to do because it's important to us. But I, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this because, like, you're talking about sleep and stuff. I don't know if you've, like, really, like, dove into, like, studying, like, people who, who research sleep and the, the benefits of it. What are some of the benefits, the lifelong benefits of floating? Yeah. Are there okay. any studies out there? Yeah. So lifelong benefits, that, that's something that probably hasn't been studied very often right now just because – um, since 2000, the industry has made a re resurgence and started to break through um, in, back into the commercial industry. There was a big push in the 80s, um, and that kind of died um, over the 80s because there was a lot of uh, influence with AIDS and stuff like that and worried that AIDS was being spread uh, via uh, water. So public spaces with water and things like that kind of got a scare, and so the industry died. And so now it's making this resurgence. And in the uh, early 2000s, there's another doctor out there, um, Dr. Justin Feinstein, um, who's who he is spearheading this industry right now with the science. Um, and he started out doing uh, studies on anxieties, um, depression, and, um, they're just moving into like, um, um, ADHD studies and things like that to see what floating will do. So now when, when, um, let's look at somebody who's had, let's just say, um, let's just say they have fibromyalgia, right? Very painful from what I, what I hear uh, existence that they have when they have this thing. And it's de debilitating, right? They can't get up and move and they just want to be laying down and doing nothing. Um, fibromyalgia patients get to go in and in the tank and, and let's say they float for, for 90 minutes at a time. Um, well, their pain is constant, right? They live, it's not, it's not something like, Oh, I have a headache today. It's like, no, it's pretty constant physical battle they have. Um, so for them to go float once a week is huge because they get a reset button on their tense and tight and, and pain, painful muscles and body when they go float. Um, and what it does is it gives them, like I said, it decompresses every joint and everything and the effects last. 
They, it's not like getting a massage, you know, and you get a massage and then, you know, the next day you're like, oh, I'm sore from my massage, but all my muscles are kind of tense and my mind's the same, same way. It didn't do anything for my mind. This resets the whole body from head to toe and everything in between and allows them to get some comfort that they've never gotten before. Maybe they had to pop pills to sleep. Right? We've seen in the studies them being able to wean off sleeping pills and pills that they were taking in the evening because, that they, were, because they float. And, and they're not floating every day. They're only floating maybe once a week. But the effects of the float last for days. And so they're able to kind of do that. Um, we've seen um, cancer patients going through chemo. Uh, there's a YouTube video out there of, I believe it's a teenager. Um, you know, this kid's going through chemo sucks, right? I mean, it, from what I've heard, you need to go through chemo, it just kills you, or literally kills you, but it's also just kills your energy and your, right, all that stuff. And so this guy, I, this kid actually goes, gets his chemo treatment, then goes and floats almost right after, if not, like if he can't, like the next day, and he says that it just resets his body and he gets two or three days where he's like, he wants to be out in the world. He wants to go shopping with his mom. He wants to go see his friends, where before he's stuck in the house, you know, living this existence of, of post chemo feelings and, and he's in pain and all this stuff, but this helps reset his body and his mind to be able to go do that. Um, so uh, there's just, there's ton. Uh, the thing that, that gets me right now, and I think because it hits home is the anxiety stuff. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it's not healed me. It's not taking away any of those feelings or any of those things, but it helps keep them at a level of being me, being able to control them. Something that I can sit there and go, okay, my levels are coming up here. I need to go float. It brings me back down here, resets me. And I go, okay, I, I got a good week of clarity and all this kind of stuff. Um, so let's see what else. It, uh, there's um, a lot of studies in um, recovery right now, surgeries, okay. recoveries, or, or athletic um, uh, injuries. Um, so like Steph Curry, a uh, big time basketball player, obviously, right? Golden State Warriors. Yeah, they won last year. Um, and, you know, he's an avid floater um, and, and has been put, he's got a few YouTube videos out there about him, him floating and being interviewed about him floating. And, and I, I believe, uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe there was an article that, or an interview that he said that he had uh, this whole team this last year, or a majority of the team actually went and floated during the finals. Um, and he equates a lot of their focus and their, a lot of the ability to execute all on floating. Um, you know, uh, he uses it to visualize not only for the physical mental, but he uses it to go in and, and visualize his game and focus in on whatever he needs to focus in on. Um, and he can, he can do that. One of the greatest things that I've been able to do, um, while I float is I've been able to like, I almost have like, imagine a, a pinwheel or, or like a, a prize wheel with a bunch of, you know, options on it, right. And you spin it. And that's my brain with all my thoughts just you know, and I'm waiting for it to like slow down and like land on that one. And I can do that. Um, in the float tank, I'm able to slow that thing down and pick that one thing I want to think about. So right now it's me starting my floating business and, and I'm right in the process of writing my business plan. Um, and so it's like, you know, okay, I want to focus in on this one thing. What do I want to say about this specific X? And I could pick that out and focus just on that during the rest of my float, I can just tune my mind into that one thing I want to think about. And it's not distracted by anything else. Cause I don't hear anything else. I don't got my dog coming up to me. You know, I don't have my kids. I don't have, you know, my phone's not beeping at me. I'm in this environment that I could focus just on that. And even for people with chronic pain, they, they can focus just on their pain or where their pain is. And they just watch it kind of just deteriorate and it's kind of, dissipate. It's, it's kind of like you, it's kind of like you're tapping into like your sub 
subconscious. That's what happens with like meditation. And I can yeah. see like with like Steph Curry and these athletes, like visualizing, being able to focus. I could see right. it being big for uh, artists, um, actors, and just being like, all right, I'm going to float so I could focus in on my script. Or if you're an athlete, you're focusing on your, your game, your craft, you're your right. being, being able to perform at a high level. So I can see like high level, not just high level performers, but people just being like, all right, it's a form of meditation to me because I, I do transcendental meditation and you just like you thoughts that like you don't need to like really think about who like those, those minute things that are coming sure. to your brain. You're like, all right, like being on the phone, sending this email, this, that, like you're going to get that done. But like really tapping into your subconscious and just thinking about like deeper things and deeper thoughts and like starting a business, like you, you know, it's in us, but you got to tap into that. And then once you do, that's when really great things happen. Yeah, man. No, you're absolutely right. If you look at my own story, when I started floating, I was in a dark place all around, all around, not only from the event that I was in, but I, I hadn't, I, I didn't have a job. I wasn't contributing to my family, you know, um, all these things. And I started to float and, and it helped write my ship and make it so that I can think about something that's positive or, or, or move forward with something. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I've probably floated now close to 30 times since January and nice. I, I, I can, the days I float, man, I am, I'm on top of my world. I am ready to take on the world. I'm ready to sit down on my computer and just, you know, smash those keys on whatever I'm working on, um, you know, and, and do that. I'm motivated. I, I feel good. And who doesn't want to feel good? Who doesn't want to walk away from something going like, you know, I feel good and there's no crash to it, right? It's not like, a, you know, I don't know, getting a shot of heroin or something like that. And then you got to crash a couple days later or whenever you come off that high, right? Like this high or this, these feelings that you have, they last with you and, and, that is, is huge. I don't think, I think a lot of people in today's society were so stressed out about our lives um, and we're not doing anything about it. We're only doing, we're only making it worse. We're eating, we're eating worse. We're pumping more caffeine into us. We're pumping more drugs into us. We're, you know, our environment is, is tainted no matter how, how you look at it. You know, we're breathing in stuff we never breathed in before. We're, you know, um, dealing with, with, with a political climate that, that, you know, a lot of us have never seen before. And that, that puts us in a, yeah. a, a heightened sense and, you know, um, all that stuff. That's, a whole, that's the whole, that's a whole nother podcast. What's your <laughs> elevator pitch? What's your elevator pitch to someone I've never floated before and I want to do it, but you run into, into me on the street and you say, yeah, I float. What's your elevator pitch to me to get me to float? Yeah. So I start out describing kind of what the environment would be. So when you go float, it's like an, a very luxury bathtub that has an enclosure on it. Um, and it's an enclosed environment where there's no sound, there's no sight, there's no smells. Um, and you're going to float in this uh, solution of Epsom salt and the Epsom salt, I'll describe, you know, describe what the Epsom salt will do. Um, if they've never heard of Epsom salt or what that, or the, what the benefits of magnesium are. Um, usually a lot of people will be like, Oh yeah, I've, I've, soaked in the bathtub or I've done that or heard of that. And so I just said, imagine that like a thousand times, you know, uh, a thousand times more intense. Um, and it's in, like I said before, it's an environment unlike any other in the world. And so then I'll ask them usually before I even go any further, I'll ask them, you know, are you stressed? Okay. Do you sleep well? Do you, you know, um, I'll try to find what's going on in their life. Um, and then pinpoint what floating can do for that because there's so many aspects of it. One of the greatest things I think can happen to somebody when they do go float is when the float owner or the people that work there ask them what's their intention of floating. And usually, obviously, first time person goes in there and goes, I don't know, you know, I'm just here because it sounds great or you know whatever. Um, but uh, so my my pitch is to really find what's going on in their life, 
and what, what can benefit from that? Because some people are like, hey, I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. I got no stress in my life. I love my job, love my kids, love my wife. You know, my bank account is, is overflowing and I don't worry about paying bills and, and all that stuff. Then, hey, you know, they might not be a candidate for life so I, or for floating. And so I just kind of try to, you know, hone it in on what they're saying to me. And then I, you know, craft it that way. Um, and I know that's not really like, that's not my gen- or that, it's not a specific elevator pitch, but I do pitch it differently to, to people I'm talking to. Um, yeah. So yeah, but I start out describing just kind of what that is. And then I give them a little bit of information about the science behind it, that there are studies going on. Um, you know, if, if we get involved in the conversation a little bit, but the 30 seconds is usually just about the environment. Hey, you're going to go float in this, in this kind of futuristic looking pod looking thing or cabin. Um, it's got the water, it's, it's heated to skin temperature and, um, you know, you're going to feel freaking awesome when you do it. <laughs> I know it's not the best elevator pitch, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it works. One word to describe floating. One word to describe floating. Magical. Pure magic, man. How about what's the future of your business looking like? Lay, lay the plan out there for everyone. So we know when it's going to open up, so we come and float. Right on, right on. Well, um, I am in the process of finishing our business plan. We're going to be presenting that to, uh, you know, for banks and a couple investors that we have on the, um, on our short list. Um, and then a uh, time frame is I'm hoping to have a soft launch almost like a year from, from today, a year from this time frame is at the end of summer next year, um, opening up of a soft launch and then going into our grand opening in um, the fall to early winter of next year. Um, so that's the, that's the game plan I'm really working on. I'm really trying to make that happen, man. Um, in fact, these, these next or the two weeks right now that I've been working in the next two weeks are so pivotal, um, pivotal or, or important in the life of this business because, um, of, of my time frame. Cause I got a real tight time frame I need and I got to, you know, get the funding and I got to, you know, find the location and, you know, then we got to build this place out and, um, start marketing it and all that kind of stuff, um, which I've already kind of started to do. Uh, you know, um, if I could put a shameless plug on our social media, I would love for you guys to come find us on Facebook at go to float or Instagram at go to float. Um, or you can look me up as the float guy, um, or hashtag the float guy, or look me up by my name, Adam DeCourt. It's my personal page. I'm starting to move a lot of my, um, stuff I've been doing on my personal page over to our business, um, uh, presence because I know, right. I mean, you shouldn't be doing that on your personal stuff, but, um, so I, but I started doing that, you know, and here's why I just, I knew when I knew I was going to jump into this business, I knew that, that the biggest hurdle in this industry right now is awareness of floating, um, and, and bringing that out. So I said, okay, I have a circle of people that I could, I'm, I'm a part of, you know, these circles and some of them overlap with each other, specifically this newfound family I have in the route 91 family. Um, you know, we are a, basket cases, right? And I'm thinking this is the perfect group of people that can utilize this tool in their toolbox for their life to be able to, to write their ship against. I know that their ship is, is, is messed up. Um, so yeah, man, hopefully, hopefully praying that it all goes well, we'll be in a op- grand opening at the end of next year. Yeah. We, you have faith. You're a, a husband, you're a father, Businessman, entrepreneur, going down this journey. You're, you, it's been a, a roller coaster. The Route 91 uh, survivor. Yeah. What, what, what advice can you give for people in general, and then people out in the business world? People in general. So, no matter where you're at um, in your belief system, 
I don't know, uh, Buddha, uh, Muslim, uh, no faith, uh, agnostic, whatever you are, um, find something that resonates with you, that, may, that pushes you to be a better person. Um, yeah, that, that's it. For those of us that are in business, man, find a mentor. Find somebody in your industry that has walked your path before you and that, that, that you trust, that um, is like-minded like you, and get in contact with them and, and push it, man. And, get in, and get, be active in this group. I know even for myself, I haven't been active so much in the Hustler group um, Facebook page too much. I've, I've commented here and there and uh, you know, seen people's posts and tried to you know, encourage them when they posted things or when they uh, posted videos, you know, liking it and send them a, a good word of, of encouragement. Um, but truly find somebody who's walked the path that you're on before you because it's so much easier when you can pick up that phone or send them a text and be like, yo, what the heck? Like, you know, I tried this and it failed and they can come alongside you and, and help figure out why, or, or also rejoice in your, your successes. Um, you know, when you're by yourself living this, this hustle life, man, it's hard. You know, when you're like, ah, every day you're grinding. But when, when somebody sends you an encouraging text out of the blue, it just says, Hey man, thinking about you, hopefully you had a good day. Boom, done. That picks you up a little bit. So find somebody that you can be a mentor or that you could, you could get mentored by. Um, and, uh, and man, be involved in this, in this group, this hustler group. And I tell you, I've benefited so much. Um, one benefit that I would say that I've gotten is, is Greg did a video. I don't know how many, maybe beginning of this year, um, about when he travels, he goes to different, uh, or tries to hit up different score, um, offices and uh, those are like small business. Um, it's part of the small business administration and they help small businesses, tons and tons and tons of free resources out there. So I literally just this last week had my first meeting with my mentor from the SBA score thing. And I tell you what, it is huge. I try to have mentors in my, my, my personal life. And then I try to also have mentors in my business life. Um, and, um, you know, one of the things that I was encouraged to do from that first meeting was to go get a mentor. In, and like, I'm telling you to go get a mentor in your industry, find a mentor. You know, so I'm on the hunt right now for somebody who's, who's a center owner, um, is doing that. And I think I found a place out in Redlands, California that I'm hoping that I get to go be an intern at, um, and learn their business, help them a little bit. Um, uh, but as well as just have, you know, them take me under their wing and, and learn from everything that they got. Because, um, when you try to do it on your own, it sucks. Um, and, and there's nothing, I mean, you know, only you have the ability to make something out of nothing. And, and only you have the, I, I use this analogy and then I'll, and I'll stop, you know, imagine there's a fire in front of you. You got two cans, one with water and one with fuel, you know, and what are you going to pour on that? Are you going to fuel the fire? Or are you going to put it out? Now, sometimes you might want to fuel that fire because that fire is a good thing, right? So you want to douse it, keep it going, keep it going, right? Keep yeah. that ball rolling. Sometimes you're like, ah, I need to extinguish that mother before it gets too big and burns down the house, right? Um, you know, you got to know that, but, but, you know, you're in control. You have those two, those, two ability, those two things. You choose what you want to do. And when you have a mentor behind you and you go, hey, mentor, which one should I do? And they're like, oh, you need to put that fire out right now. And you're like, hoo, hoo, okay, I'll put it out. You know, and that just helps push you to that next level. That's it. <laughs> Adam DeCorte, man. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. We were supposed Thanks. to go like 30, 40 minutes, but we went the distance today, man. Right it's on, all, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's all no, good. I love thanks, it. Matt. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate you yeah. reaching out, man. And uh, to all you hustlers out there, keep on hustling, man. I'm telling you, 
only we know what we can do and only you know what you can accomplish. And I want you to accomplish everything that you set your mind to. Get involved in this group. Connect with Greg. I couldn't believe it when I got some emails and some connections. And even when Mac right here emailed me and I was like, oh my gosh, my mind is blown. <laughs> um, you know, but man, when you put yourself out there and, and you do that, good things come to that. Good things come. So thanks a lot, Mac. I appreciate it, bro. No, man. Thanks for sharing your, your story and that, and that message. That mean mentorship, putting yourself out there, that resonates with everyone out there, man. Put yourself yeah. out there. That's the hustler, hustler's way, the hustler's motto. Um, this group is, is growing. Greg is, is really good at what he does. He's a genius. Yeah. He is the inspiration. He's the motivation behind all of this. Without yeah. him, none of this is possible. And right. I know he's grinding. He's hustling. He's been traveling this week. And uh, you know, I'm going to catch up with him in a little bit. But he's hustling for everyone out there and reach out to him because he is a, a great resource and he will help you. Yeah. I know that he's been very helpful Absolutely. for myself and he's my best friend, but that that's my go-to guy. And Adam, yeah. thanks man. Go to float.com. Check it out. I'm going to actually go float. Yeah. I'm going to schedule yeah. that. And then, then when we get out to the West coast, when you open up the, the uh, place, we're coming yeah. to float with you, man. Absolutely, man. Hey, do, let me know how you float, man. Send me a text. I want to hear about your experience. I'd love to, to, to talk about it. Will do brother. You know, I will. All right, man. All right, Peace man. Out. Thanks for joining us. Have a good one. If you haven't floated you yet, go it. float. <laughs> get your float on. <laughs> get your float on. And get to hustleisland.com. See you guys. You Thanks. Right on, my friend. Awesome, man. Thanks. I really appreciate it, bro. Have a good one. Hey, if there's anything I can ever do for you too, please let me know. If you make it out to the West Coast, California, man, hit me up. I'd love to take you out for a beer or coffee or lunch or something. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I appreciate that. I'll definitely stay in touch. I'll let you know how the float goes. And like I said, like, we're out there on the West Coast, man. We'll definitely be hitting you yeah, up for sure. Yeah, right on, man. For sure, for sure. All right, All my right, friend. Have, Have a good, good one. one. Thanks. Peace out.